What companies would you want to work for? Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the prestigious Just Capital 2024 seal. Bank of America is ranked number one in the banking industry and number one for their ongoing commitment to workers, offering best-in-class benefits, including a minimum wage of $25 an hour by 2025. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. This is Idaho Sports Talk with Prater and the Ballgame on 95.3 FM, 13.50 AM, and always streaming on the new and improved KTIK app. All right, what's going on? And welcome to what we hope is your favorite sports talk radio program. This is Idaho Sports Talk. We are Prater in the ball game, and you are joining us on KTIK Sports Radio, the ticket AMFM online. Download our new and improved app and enjoy the show whenever, wherever. Uh, good stuff. 208 424 9300 on our Cloverdale Plumbing text line. Appreciate those guys. We got another uh, We got another humdinger. I don't think I've ever seen send the word humdinger Ooh. on this show before, but I think we got a humdinger <laughs> of a show today. It's going to start off great. It's going to continue in a marvelous fashion that will not stop for you, sadly, until 6 p.m. Then we'll get you to your Steelhead show tonight. Right, JP? We got Absolutely. it? Absolutely. We right. do, yes. Hell yeah. I'm Johnny Ballgame. Appreciate again you guys with us. I got JP. You know what he does. He runs KTIK, I'll tell you. He is the program director. Big, big title in radio. And he runs a hell of a radio board producing this show each and every day. JP, look at you. Look at I'm ready for a humdinger, Johnny. I'm I'm all I ready. I think you are. I'm gonna have a perfect game today. JP, you can handle this. I can. You can, yeah. man. We're only gonna go as far as JP takes us. So that's good to know. A lot of comfort. In that Prater, my partner Mike Prater, longtime uh, sports writer, sports broadcaster. Wh- wh- what made you fall in love with with sports and sports writing, and uh, maybe that newspaper when you first opened it, and you you wanted to be a sports writer since you could remember, right? My dad. It's all about my dad. He was a sports writer too. No, he was in sports media, but uh, it was all about my dad. And yeah. then I had a crush on my high school journalism teacher. That's okay. Yeah, that's such a Prater, oh, wow. JP, and what, his, what, what his career spawns <laughs> one of the great broadcasting and journalism careers in the history of the state. Comes from a high school crush. <laughs> what, what was the name of your teacher, Prater? We've talked about my teacher before, Mary Lou Berry. Mary Lou oh, Berry. Right, we've right, talked about right, her before. Right, yes. Mary Berry. Man. She has uh, cranked out some of the greatest golfers in the state of. Idaho's ever produced, and uh, Mary Lou Berry is, uh, she's still around, she's still as bright and spry as could possibly be, and Mary Lou Berry had the greatest influence on my life ever, so. Wow. Okay. I walked into her class and said, uh, I was 15 years old, and I said, I know exactly what I'm going to be doing for the next 70 years of my life. Oh, man. I bet you did, too. Oh, 100%. I, be, I bet you exactly. I got a job the next week. It's probably a direct quote, yeah. I got a, I got a job at a newspaper the next week. I well, quit the football team and got a job at the newspaper the next week. Smart and move, I worked man. in. I've worked for a daily paper every day since I was like 17 years old. Because, yeah, you were with the Idaho Press right now. Yeah. And you were with that other place forever. You could say the Idaho Statesman. Idaho Statesman. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then you were in the Bay Area. You were in Salt Lake. You were in uh, Twin Falls. Twin Falls, Idaho. Uh, so, Washington, yeah. D.C. D.C. I forgot about that. You had you had some interviews for some pretty big gigs over the years, didn't you, too? Bastards but, didn't give me the job. They didn't. They, can I say that? Wait, I just said that word. I just did. had a bad word. You can on the say radio. bastard on the air. Okay, I just did. What, what was the one gig that you interviewed for that, damn it, you wanted, and it did just, ah. The New York Post. The New York Post. 
Yeah, you were going to move to New York City and yeah, do I've the New York this, Post. Uh, I've talked about this. It was I was a finalist for the job, and the and the editor said uh, you're down to we're down to two, and one of them's from right here in Manhattan, and and you, and I'm picking the guy from Manhattan because I'm afraid a, a kid from Idaho can't handle the job. That's what he said to you, a kid. From Idaho, yes, sir. This is New York City. This is not Idaho. I was like on the 72nd floor of some kind of big skyscraper, and the guy broke my heart. I never forgot oh, it. Since. Gosh, man, that's a I great think I've story. I that though. story. Yeah, was yeah, it? I told that story a few times on here. Who worked at the Post at that time, Prater? Was that like a Lupica? Who who was that? Oh, oh crap! I don't remember now. You know, Ray Roden, or no, what was his name? William C. Roden. I don't know. New York had. Wow. I mean, D- D- Anderson. There was a Dave Anderson. I yeah, think. Yeah, you guys um, are just throwing down. No, just stop. <laughs> just stop. <laughs> just stop. <laughs> um, yeah, so, Mike Prater. This is your life. <laughs> that would have been awesome, man. You know, Prater in Manhattan. Oh man. Anyway, good stuff. Uh, Prater, we're going to continue. Um, our Kellen Moore conversation today. A couple of cool things with Kellen taking the job for the Los Angeles Chargers. We'll examine the career he's had with Brandon Staley, the coach of the Chargers. You know, we might as well just change this from Idaho Sports Talk to Kellen, Kellen Moore, Moore Sports Talk. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we've just been all week long, and, and, and we've had a blast doing it, and we can't wait for this to continue. We're going to hit you hard today with three different segments on Kellen Moore. 315, Dirk Cutter is going to come on here live and talk about Kellen Moore and his fit. And I do like the Brandon Staley angle at 515. Kellen Moore and Brandon Staley, his new boss, have gone head-to-head twice. Mixed results. But in both occasions, Brandon Staley, I like to say, kicked Kellen Moore's butt at halftime and in the second half of both these games. He dominated Kellen Moore after halftime adjustments in both these games, dominated Kellen Moore's offense in both these games, and then still turned around and hired him. So there's some kind of power in Kellen Moore that we do know around here, obviously, but what did Brandon Staley see in him? I just beat this guy twice, not necessarily on the field because they split in terms of the win losses, but in terms of the results. And he still had enough intrigue in Kellen Moore. We're going to dive deep into that very interesting combination. And then at 4 o'clock ball game, I love this conversation. Kellen Moore versus Easton Stick. Easton Stick. You no may have one heard has that ever name. said that ever in the world, by the way. Kellen Moore versus Easton Stick. You just started it. Every radio segment in the history of Sports Talk Radio has been done a thousand times. Today at 4 o'clock, we're going to be doing a segment that has never been done before. Yep. Kellen Moore versus Easton Stick. If you haven't heard, you know who Easton Stick is. He's the great North Dakota State quarterback and is now in the NFL. Oh, he's with the Sandy. Oh, Swear there's, jar. There's the Swear third. Jar. My three IOJP adult. There's the Los Angeles Chargers <laughs> quarterback room is going to have Justin Herbert, Kellen Moore, and Easton Stick. And I present you with this crazy, crazy, crazy question ballgame. Who had the better college football career? Kellen. Kellen Moore. Oh, you're just going to automatically say Kellen? Kellen had the greatest everything ever. Kellen Moore was 50-3 and and played in what? Four cheesy bowl games? Mm, Two cheesy bowl games, one Fiesta Bowl. Okay, I'll give you that. Easton Stick. So he was, Kellen Moore is the winningest quarterback in FBS history with a record of 50-3. and Easton Stick, who is now working for Kellen Moore, was the winningest quarterback in FCS football history. 49-3. and three. Oh. One win oh. shy of Kellen Moore. Oh. But here's the caveat. Four national championships. Easton Stick does, yeah. Four national championships. Wow. Now I know FCS, FBS, Kellen's playing the big dogs. Easton Stick's playing whoever they can get on their schedule there. I get it. I get the perspective. 
but who had on paper a blind resume. Kellen Moore with 50-3 and and mixed results in bowl games. And Easton Stick, 49-3 and with four national championships. Ball game. I ask you this question again. Who had the better college resume? You know what? I'm going to save that answer for about an hour. We're going to talk about Kellen Moore versus Easton Stick. But I would like to read, if we can come, if we can get a few of these, what do you guys think? Has Prater sold you on that? Easton Stick, one less win, but four, four national championships. Did Kellen Moore not have the greatest college career in FBS or FCS quarterbacking history? What do you think? Text us your answers for that. And Prater, 5 o'clock, um, this is always fun for us, uh, teaming up with TSS Home Comfort to be able to give uh, Boise State student-athletes uh, who work their tail off on and off the field or court a couple hundred bucks, 500 bucks to be exact, and we are going to do that in less than two hours with, uh, I mean, everybody's All-American in this town. Tyson Dagenhart. Uh, looking forward to this. Thanks to the people at TSS Home Comfort. And, uh, yeah, Tyson Dagenhart and the folks down at Boise State, Mike Walsh and, and Nate Lowry, you guys are doing a great job. Talking to Tyson at 5 o'clock. He's in San Diego getting ready for tomorrow night's basketball game against San Diego State. But uh, we're going to get him on here at 5 o'clock and present him a $500 name, image, and likeness check. He's our Student Athlete of the Month and uh, – Looking forward to this conversation. We'll talk a little basketball, but we also like to dive in with these conversations a little bit beyond basketball. Who is Tyson Degenhart? What's he like? What's his family? What's his friends? What's his uh, tomfoolery? What's he like to do? So uh, we're going to dive into that. We love talking to Tyson Degenhart. Yeah, speaking of basketball, too, let's just start this thing off right now before we bring Dirk Cutter on in a couple of minutes. I'm not sure why this story isn't getting more steam, or maybe I do know, and I just still think it's silly, but the Lakers play tonight. Um, not, I don't know who cares about that, but LeBron James is 87 points away from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time record, Prater, and um, they can pretty much, I mean, unless he has one of his career games of all time, sorry, 89 points. Unless he has one of his all-time games, um, he's probably going to break this record on Tuesday night at home in L.A., the City of Stars versus uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. He's going to pass Kareem, and I've been reading articles today, uh, tickets to sit courtside to watch LeBron become the all-time leading scorer in the history of the NBA. I mean, dude, it might cost you, I'm not kidding, Six-figure money. You might have to spend $100,000 to have a courtside seat to watch LeBron get this record. I think you can go on the uh, secondary market. Uh, I know JP's been sniffing around. You can find him for twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000. You've seen some stories, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000. Bleacher Report is out there today saying that the reporting that tickets are going for as high as $92,000. Yeah. And, and, and it's only Thursday. This, it's this, only this, they'll get, these prices will get higher, too, especially if it's more certain that it's going to happen on Tuesday. If he's 10 points down or something. Yeah, it's going to happen on Tuesday. I'm almost positive. And he can manipulate that. The coach can manipulate that. Two road games this weekend. They'll take care of that. He's not going to score 89 points in these next in two, two games. games. That's not going to happen. Probably not. No, okay, no. Right. They'll guarantee that. They will they can control that. Yeah. This will happen because this is very, 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 very controllable. Yes. It won't happen next Thursday against the Bucks. It won't happen over the weekend. It'll happen Tuesday um, in Staples or whatever the whatever they call that building anymore these days. It's not Staples anymore. It's not. It's cryptocurrency or uh, whatever forgot, it is. I forgot, man. Yeah. So, uh um, I'm just uh, thinking about $92,000, $52,000, $32,000. Obviously, if you can afford to spend that kind of money on a ticket, it's no big deal to you. There's people in, 
L.A. who spend that much money at lunch. So going to see a, as you put it before we went on the air, a very important piece of history, um, I I can see where they would want to do that. The the buzz thing really kind of I'm very curious about. I mean, Jabbar broke the record, the scoring record, Will Chamberlain's scoring record in 1984. I remember that game very specifically because it was happening. It happened against the Utah Jazz. Uh, I remember the play. It was a baseline hook shot. Uh, the Jazz that year, 1984, played a whole bunch of their home games in Las Vegas at the Thomas and Mack Center. So this game was in Vegas. It a was Jazz a, home game in Vegas. A jazz home game in Las Vegas, 1984. Wow. Marcus Eaton on the defense. Magic Johnson bringing the ball up. Magic Johnson throws it to Kareem, who goes baseline with a hook shot. Baseline Sky with hook. a hook shot. And uh, nails it. And uh, there is the record right there. Uh, that was a massive, massive deal. Now, obviously, times have changed. In 1984, you know, we were still breaking into television and, and, and breaking news and all this kind of crazy stuff. And uh, it was a very, very important deal. Maybe it was because I was in Salt Lake City and it was live on TV and I had a bunch of my buddies in a, in a room in an apartment and we were watching this game and it was very, very cool to watch. But uh, a lot of buzz, a lot of national buzz back then. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was very polarizing, a lot like LeBron James is now. A lot of people didn't like that man and a lot of people loved and worshipped that man, kind of like LeBron James right now. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar got massive attention. LeBron James's record chase is getting whispers. Very Not much. Little, very Doesn't little. feel like it. It's right around the Super Bowl, too. I mean, maybe you can make all the excuses, but I think it comes down to one cold-hearted fact, JP. People don't like LeBron. They realize how amazing he is as an athlete, but they still just don't like him. I I, I really do think at the core, there's just it's not as big a deal because, dude, people just folks aren't that interested in LeBron right now. If, if I can keep it that simple. Yeah. Again, I'll go back to Jabbar. I think Jabbar was hated more than LeBron is now. Okay, I can't speak to that. I was playing with Star Wars toys then yeah, so, on that night. You know, there was no doubt that uh, the, the Jabbar, I mean, the attention now is a lot more intense because of social media. You know, it's a smaller world, and it's easier to to, to throw venom around. Um, but Jabbar was not very well liked by a lot of people back in the days. He was either, I mean, it was very polarizing, just like LeBron is now. So uh, I guess it's a different time, but we're also in a different time where we hype up things more than we did in the past. This is not getting a lot of hype, and uh, hmm. I'm not too worried about it. I'm, I'm sure LeBron's ego will be just fine. I'm sure he'll whine about it. I love LeBron. I'm a huge LeBron fan. LeBron whines. Look what he did the other night. Uh, I mean, I've you know he, he had a temper tantrum. Yeah. He had a temper tantrum on the court. I mean, yeah. I, I thought you know I've had worse temper tantrums when my dog has died, or smaller temper tantrums when my dog has died. That's right. Yeah, and, and LeBron over a foul just absolutely looked like a whiny childy baby, and uh, yeah, it it's a big turnoff. But uh, I'm a big fan, and I will definitely be dialed in on Tuesday night. Yeah, that's going to be interesting on Tuesday. I love it. Remember our big game party patrol package. If you haven't registered. Dude, register. Simply go to KTIK.com and sign up. And if you win, Prater, myself, Bob Beeler, Jay Peasy, we're all going by your house. Or you could have one of us come hang out with you on the Super Bowl before the game and and uh, give you all these cool prize packs as well. So just go to KTIK.com and register for it. Dirk Cutter, our NFL playoff correspondent, a member of the KTIK team now. He's coming up next. The golf season starts with the Boise Golf Show February 9th through the 11th at Expo Idaho. Over 80 vendors, the latest golf equipment, travel ideas, and more. Each paid attendee gets a free round of golf at Scotch Pines Golf Course thanks to Toyota. Tickets and more info at boisegolfshow.com. I 
Bill Sports Talk, Prater in the Bowl Game, joined by our NFL playoff correspondent, Dirk Cutter. And coach, first thing I'm going to ask you is you heard those commercials. You got Prater trying to push a Subaru on you. You got me trying to get you to buy a bouquet of flowers. I'm sure both those, Dirk. I'm sure you're buying right in, huh? I was getting a chuckle, and when Mike was reading off those car prices, I I was actually might have even been laughing out loud. Why? Why were you laughing? What? <laughs> do, do I not sound like a car salesman, or I'm too good of a car salesman? <laughs> I don't know. We'd have to call up the dealership and see how they're, how they're coming off the lot. I love it, man. Dirk Cutter with us. Plenty to talk about with Coach here, and uh, I'm just going to start it off. Kellen Moore was unemployed for about 18 hours from the Cowboys to the Chargers. Um, what do you think of the fit and just for Kellen Moore getting an OC job with the L.A. Chargers, Coach? Yeah, I think there was something like uh, eight or nine OC jobs open still, I think like seven or eight today before. But I know every guy that's dreaming of a being an OC for those nine open jobs, their number one job choice was the Chargers. And so I think Kellen's in a great spot. I think everybody wants to work with that quarterback. Yep. Uh, you got a defensive head coach. You know, when it, it was surprising when, when Mike McCarthy went to the Cowboys, Mike's been a play caller and an offensive head coach his whole career. So it was, it was somewhat surprising that he acquiesced to play calling to Kellen. And I'm guessing if I'm a betting man, that was a mandate by Jerry Jones, the owner that Kellen would stay. That, that just, I mean, that just can't be a comfortable position for either guy. And now, you know, with McCarthy probably at the end and on the hot seat going into next year, I can see why, why he would want to be the play caller. Uh, but I think I think Kellen is in a great spot going to the Chargers and uh, mm-hmm. working with that QB. Uh, you, you know, you could see it in the uh, in the season this year that you know the Chargers were were not running the ball enough and they were they were kind of uh, shooting themselves in the foot, so to speak, uh, in in some of their bigger games this year. So I think Kellen will will do a great job there and. Uh, if I was a Chargers fan, I'd be pretty happy about it. Coach, what's the process like? I mean, heck, Andy Reid's been fired, right? Bill Belichick has been fired. I mean, this is just part of being a coach. And <clears throat> when it does happen, whether you're fired or they mutually agree to part ways, however they phrase it, and you still want to coach, what is that process like? Do you think when Kellen left, was he already on the phone? Had he been talking beforehand? You've jumped ship a lot. Like, how does that all work? Yeah, that's that's probably the main place where having a coach's agent helps you. Uh, you know, Kellen was busy. No, he he probably hadn't been on the phone too much, but I guarantee you his agent had been. Mm. And you know, in this day and age, these agents they're they're talking, especially not so much through the other head coaches, but through the GMs and the assistant GMs, uh, through their contacts with the teams and. Uh, the the general manager staff and these agents they they've they've got relationships and uh, so that that's where I'm sure I think Kellen's represented by David Dunn who's got a bunch of big name quarterbacks and and uh, and coaches and uh, I'm sure that I mean it, it, the fact that it took so little time for when the announcement came to when he had a new job. Uh, they moved him right to the front of the list. They probably had some kind of a conversation 
uh, via Zoom. But, uh, you know, they've been doing their due diligence, and I know they've been, the Chargers have been looking at some other guys, but uh, a lot of that background work is done by the agents. Dirk Cutter, former Boise State head football coach and National Football League head coach, joining KTIK as our NFL playoff correspondent. We'll get into the Super Bowl here in a second, Dirk. But I just wanted to ask you about, uh, you know, in terms of Kellen and his matchup with uh, with Justin Herbert. I don't know, imagine I don't know how much football you were able to watch, but what do you see in Justin Herbert? And if you had your hands on him for uh, uh, you know a couple of days, couple of weeks, couple of months. Where would you like to tweak this guy? He's really, really good. He hasn't quite reached that elite level yet. That's Kellen's job. Yeah, I think I think they actually, in my opinion, they they put too much on him. Uh, you know, in my opinion, and everyone will say it. I mean, a quarterback's best friend is a is a good running game and and a good play action game. And I I believe if if I'm not mistaken, the Chargers were one of the lowest percentage run teams on first and second down in the NFL. I think they were bottom five. And so, uh, you know, they've got a good solid back in Austin Eckler. He's no more as a receiver. But I think, you know, Kellen has has been known that he will run the ball uh, when he's got the right personnel. So I think that a, a good run game and the play action off of it, like too much uh, in, in, in today's NFL, just to survive purely as a drop-back passer is tough. And the games, when I watched the Chargers, I just consistently thought that they were they were asking Herbert to do a little too much. All right, let's dive into this big game next week, next Sunday. Super Bowl 57, Chiefs, Eagles. Oh, I know you got your hands in this one. We talked to Quentin Michael yesterday. There's an old buddy of yours. I know Andy Reid's your good buddy. Uh, all kinds of connections here, but just give us the early preliminary scouting report. Uh, how do you see this game? Yeah, I'm, I'll make it real simple. I think this is a game where, you know, an, an old adage is never bet against the best quarterback, and Mahomes is uh, working his magic right now. I think not too many people are going to argue that he's right at the top of the league as far as quarterbacks. And then you've got another faction of people that are going to say, uh, look at the O-lines and D-lines, and I think the Eagles have the edge on both the O-line and the D-line. Uh, <laughs> I think if you, you know, these teams have 53-man rosters. They get 46 guys up on game day. I think if you you look at the 46 guys that the Chiefs are going to dress out and the 46 guys the Eagles are going to dress out next Sunday, I think the Eagles are better, 1-46. to 46. But it's hard to bet and go against Mahomes. Uh, you know, I, he doesn't have the weapons. I, I actually didn't think that uh, the Eagles quarterback played nearly as good as he had played early in the season. I, I thought he did not look good at all in the passing game. He had a couple decent runs. Uh, he did have a good year, was maybe the leading candidate for MVP until he hurt his shoulder. Yeah. But uh, he's going to have to play better to beat to beat the Chiefs. But the one thing the Eagles can do is they can run the ball, and not only can they run it with their with their running backs, but that their quarterback run game is probably the strongest in the league. Well, we're not going to ask you to make an official prediction until next week when we have you on for the <laughs> final time, Coach. We'll give you a week to talk about this, and I'm with you. For me, it's it's the quarterback and the coach, Reed Mahomes, versus the roster of the Eagles, and I'm not just certain how that's going to work. But I do want to ask you, you said, and I quote, 
you know, coaching is a young man's game, and I'm not young anymore. Well, neither is Andy Reid, your good friend. You've coached with him at multiple stops. He's, I think, a year younger or a year older than you. You're basically the same age. How long do you think Andy Reid stays on this NFL grind? I mean, he does have Mahomes. It probably takes a lot of the edge off, but... Do you personally see Andy Reid doing this till he's in his mid late seventies? He's sixty four. Yeah, he's sixty four. Uh, you know, I think I think the fact that he does when when they drafted Mahomes, they they knew what they had, and yeah, they made him sit almost a full year, but they they knew what they had in him, and I'm sure that you know when you listen to their players talk about how Andy runs it and how much input he lets Kelsey and Mahomes and the players have and what they're doing on offense. And those guys are having fun. And when you're having fun, uh, it does keep you young. I mean, I, I got 10 years younger this year working with Boise state than when you're, <laughs> when you're going five and 11 uh, or whatever it was the last year in Atlanta. I mean, when you're winning and you've got a quarterback, uh, definitely keeps you young. But when you watch these Super Bowl promos, they got running right now. And you see what Andy looked like, what, what was it, 10 years ago when he was with the Eagles as a head coach. And then you see him on the sideline now. You you can tell he slowed down a little. Uh, but, yeah. but that quarterback's definitely keeping him young. And what is it, uh, three of the last five Super Bowls they've been in, they're winning so many games. The other thing is look at what Andy's doing as far as climbing up the all-time charts as far as coaches in the NFL. So – Andy is not an ego guy, but I'm sure he's got people telling him, hey, you can reach this milestone or that milestone, and he's he's already reached some of them. I mean, oh, yeah. I, think, I think he's going to be a Hall of Fame coach, but, I mean, he's uh, he's approaching some real milestones as a coach. Dirk Cutter, what's, what are the play? Well, I know what kind of what the players are doing this week. They're, we're practicing, watching some film, getting things organized, but take us behind the scenes of what a coach is doing the last couple of days and certainly over these next three days this weekend before they jump on a plane Sunday and Monday to, to fly to Arizona, what's what's the priority for coaches right now? The two coaches. Yeah, unfortunately, I was never actually in that situation with the, with the two weeks to the Super Bowl. But when I've talked to guys in the past, they all say, and I know I know Andy's doing it, is they they want to treat this week as far as installation like it's a regular week, and they're going to try to get a good chunk of their game plan, you know, seventy five percent plus done this week and treat this week like a regular week because they know once they get on site things get crazy you know between the media day and uh, nfl honors and all the other stuff they got going on everybody's got their got family and they're trying to get these guys to get their tickets all taken care of this week but it's just such a huge uh, operation so they're wanting to get their game plan in on a normal schedule and then tweak it and one thing you got to remember uh, you know, these teams now have 17 games of video to look at. And usually when you're doing a breakdown on your opponent, you do a four to five game breakdown. So in the, in the days uh, leading up to the travel and maybe even into early next week, I'm sure they're going back into games early in the season and they're looking for to uncover any nugget that might, might help them get a little bit of an edge next Sunday. Dirk Cutter with us, and I don't know if you had to go through what Kyle Shanahan went through last week, Coach, because I remember when I was growing up, every team dressed three quarterbacks. Now nobody does, and 
Um, what happened last week, in, you know, with the two quarterbacks gone, they had to figure out they couldn't even throw a pass in the second half, Coach. Would you be in favor, and maybe you've talked about this in NFL circles, of having that emergency quarterback spot where you're allowed to dress a third quarterback, and if you play him, then you can never go back and play the other two guys that game, but it doesn't count against your 46 or your 53, Coach, but you get that guy at least dressed up on the sidelines to possibly eliminate what we saw last week. Yeah, I, I would definitely be in favor of that. And, uh, you know, that was just such a, you know, I don't want to say unfair because it's part of the game, but it was just hard to watch because, you know, right when Purdy went off to the sideline and you could tell it wasn't good and that he wasn't going to be able to throw. And then once you put that second guy in as a coach, you know, you are crossing your fingers if your if your other guy can't go back in. A lot of times, you're telling your your first guy, "Hey, you got to stay up as the emergency, even if it means going in to hand off." And uh, you know, I, I'll I'll bet money that if if Kyle Shanahan had it to do over again, the one thing he would have changed is uh, it was still a one score game when they got the ball back right before the half. And, you know, a lot of teams in the NFL do go into their two-minute offense before the half, no matter how, how far back they are. Uh, but with a quarterback that's uh, as inexperienced, even though he's been around the league a lot, as Johnson is, you know, that was a big turning point in the game when they turned it over and the, and the uh, Eagles yeah. had another score right before the half. But I would definitely be in favor of that rule. Never had it happen where we got to the third guy. Closest thing I ever had is uh, dress an 8-0 lineman and you lose three guys in the game, and we had to we played the Vikings one game, and we had to finish the whole fourth quarter with a tight end playing playing right tackle, oh. and uh, that was that was not fun either. But it's not the same as the quarterback when you can't throw. And I, I would definitely be in favor of what you suggested. You golfing this weekend, Coach? No golf. We're actually headed to Austin tomorrow to help uh, help Davis and his fiance get moved into their new place, and he's starting work on Monday. So we're we're doing the parental thing, the being a good parent. I love it, man. That's beautiful. Dirk, uh, we appreciate your time as always, and we'll talk to you next week. Plus four, Super Bowl 57. Safe travels this weekend. Thank you. All right. Sounds good, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. I love that, man. I love him, man. He's great. Yeah, I love bringing Dirk Cutter on. I, I, you know my juices get flowing talking to old NFL coaches and stuff, Prater. And, uh, yeah, a lot of good information, I think, there here. That's why you listen to Idaho Sports Talk. We got Bob Beeler around the corner wrapping up signing day. JP, uh, he's going to tell you about former Boise State players that will take the field tonight. Where can you watch them and when will they be on? Yeah, a couple of BSU players playing football tonight. Going to be fun, JP. Let's get there. We come back on Idaho Sports Talk. Sports Radio 95.3 FM and 1350 AM, The Ticket. From the com studio, hang around. We've got Bob Beeler with uh, Bronco Focus coming up. Bob in uh, San Diego getting ready for tomorrow night's Boise State-San Diego State game. But first, this Ticket Sports update. There is football on your television tonight. And while it's not the uh, level of the NFL or college, but uh, it will be a step above the NFL's Pro Bowl games. I can guarantee you that. The East-West Shrine Bowl (laughs) from Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas tonight. On the West roster, you've got uh, former Boise State offensive lineman John Ujuku. He will be wearing number 70 tonight. Tyreek Jones. I think they all wear the the Boise State helmets, so it'll be a little bit easier to pick out. But Tyreek Jones on the West roster as well on the defense. He'll be wearing number 30. On the uh, West roster will be 
former Boise State defensive lineman Scott Matlock wearing number 93. So there is a chance tonight that you could have Matlock going up against John Ajuku a little bit if, if, it, if it worked out that way. That would be kind of fun to see. NFL Network starting at 6.30 tonight. Perfect. And I don't know if, what this means, but I did see a tweet today put out by the East-West Shrine Bowl, and uh, they had John Ujuku as uh, one of the East team's all-practice teams this week. So apparently they handed a little bit of practice team awards, and uh, he was one of the guys that they honored. I will be watching this game tonight, Prater. I'm going to go home. Uh, we're having a little birthday party for a relative tonight, JP. The the, the, the gorgeous girlfriend of mine is making chili and hot wings. Ooh. So, and this game will be on in, in our in our house tonight. I'm excited. Nice, nice little Thursday. Is it your mom's birthday? No. Oh, okay. Uh, Senior Bowl. If you want to check that out, uh, that's got uh, JL Skinner on it. Uh, that game is 12:30 Saturday. Also on the NFL Network. Mountain West basketball last night. Utah State hosted New Mexico. Came out with an 84-73 win. To a move up in the uh, Mountain West standing. It's tied at the top right now with Boise State and San Diego State. Both at 8-2, and two, as we mentioned. Uh, they will play tomorrow night in San Diego. Utah State and Nevada now are both 7-3 and three in conference games. And New Mexico, which was the uh, darling of the league just a couple of weeks ago, ranked in the top 25. Uh, but all of a sudden, they are 6-4 and four in Mountain West games. They're on the bubble. It is what it is. I know Richard Patino. I mean, you yeah, you were hot to trot there a couple weeks ago, like JP said, Prater, but are you looking at this league right now? Are you seeing three? Are you seeing four? Or Prater, are you seeing five teams making the NCAA tournament this year out of the Mountain West? Well, it's hard to say, but uh, I mean, there's three guaranteed for sure. I, I don't think they can get five, and I think the, uh, the entire goal would be to try to sneak in that fourth team and see what you can do there, but uh, um, five would be hard, and three is a guarantee. And uh, this is one of those uh, kind of notes that kind of slipped by us, but uh, B.J. Raines remembered that uh, because of Boise State's win over Air Force on Tuesday night, uh, as tight as that game was, proved to be kind of lucrative for Coach Leon Rice. The win triggered a one-year contract extension for Coach Rice and a $50,000 raise on the back end of his deal. That, of course, uh, is if Coach remains with Boise State through the 27-28 season. This year he's making $900,000, and uh, his salary in the final year, 27-28, would reach $1.15 million. I know it'll be an yeah, Prater loves these clauses. The eight, the eighteen game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, if, if Boise State wants to make eighteen games an important standard, then uh, that's, that's Boise State. <laughs> I, I certainly wouldn't make that. I'd fire my coach if he won eighteen games. <laughs> No, Only I think 18. it's cool. I think it's hilarious. Yeah, if Boise State wants to make a standard, you get an automatic raise. Uh, that is a great clause in the well, contract. Good for Leon and his agent for however they got that. But it's the yeah. same thing with football. I mean, Harson had that eight-game win. Good point. Win uh, clause, and uh, you know, people aren't happy when they're when they're winning nine games, ten games around here. Yeah. And I've held out as long as I can. So here's a golf update as the uh, PGA Tour. Is it uh, in California? The Pebble Beach Pro-Am this week is being played on three courses on the Monterey Peninsula. Yeah, pull that up on the TV, Johnny. I'll switch it over right now, Uh, JP. Your your leader is Hank Laboda at minus eight. Um, And I've checked on Troy Merritt's playing in this one, actually. Uh, Meridian and uh, former Boise State golfer. He's even through 13 holes. I believe he's playing the uh, tougher of the three courses, which is uh, Spyglass Hill. But uh, his partner... I looked him up as, I think, a CEO of a money management uh, 
That's his. That's his amateur. Well, the maybe CEO Troy money can learn a little company. bit from him and help manage his money. There you go. Yeah, yo, we all need some uh, help here and there. No question. Bob Beeler coming up. How about this, guys? Zamzos is hiring up to eighty people for both full and part time positions at all thirteen of their locations throughout the Valley. There are three ways to apply. In person at any Zamzo's store. That's one. Uh, During an open interview every Thursday and Friday from 3 to 5. That's two. And online by visiting Zamzo's.com. Bob Beeler, let's wrap up football signing day on Idaho Sports Talk. Sports Radio 95.3 FM and 1350 AM. The Ticket. This is Bronco Focus. With the voice of Boise State Athletics, Bob Beeler. Bob Beeler, Bronco Focus, putting a nice little bow on another signing day recruiting period wrap-up with the Boise State Broncos play-by-play broadcaster Bob Beeler. All right, Bob, what do you think is the best thing about signing day with the way it's done now? Well, it started in 2017, and if I was somebody in the group of five, I would fight like heck to keep this system where there's an early signing in December and then one in February, because it sure seems that there is less anguish for schools like Boise State. They don't have to keep their recruits over Christmas, over coaching changes, and I think at least in the time I've been here, it has benefited Boise State, it has benefited schools like Boise State, because you're able to get who you've worked hard to try to become Broncos, and you're able to sign them. The SEC is making noises that they want to change it back to the original way, and they're leading the charge with the idea, saying it's just so much for the coaches to handle in December that you know it's burning them out in December. Well, the signing day, for the most part, comes in the group of five bowl dates, not the SEC bowl dates, which are a little bit later. They are doing it, wanting it to change back, because I think they realize that, especially the schools that change coaches, that they might have a chance to get some of the players away from the group of five. So, guys, it's only happened since 2017. You know, you look at Boise State signing class yesterday in which uh, there was no really high school scholarships that were given out. They gave them away in December. And I think if I'm a group of five team, and I know sometimes it's hard to stop the power fives from getting what they want, but I dig in and I want to keep this. Yeah, you know, from certainly from a group of five perspective. Okay, Bob, let's flip this. What's the worst thing about the split signing period? Well, I'd say that it's the, the pomp and circumstance. I remember signing day when there was only one being a really big deal. We'd have a, a show somewhere. We'd interview the kids on the phone. We'd talk to the coaches. It seems like with the season still going, you lose that in the month of December. You don't get the pomp and circumstance. I mean, to me, signing day at that point was like selection Sunday for the NCAA basketball tournament or maybe even the opening weekend of the college football season. Again, so much clutter in December. Campuses don't throw the party that they used to, and I think that it kind of devalues it a little bit and maybe doesn't make it as big of a deal as it used to be. And maybe that's not good for the sport of college football, honoring the seniors that are in high school that are signing uh, letters of intent. Bob Beeler, Bronco Focus. We do this every day right here at 345, getting you Boise State news in the first hour of Idaho Sports Talk. Bob Beeler on the call at San Diego State on Friday night. Right now, talking about signing day wrapped up on Wednesday. Boise State's got 34 new players, 8 new seniors, 7 walk-ons. Bob, uh, it's a whole different football team right now. But uh, in terms of this recruiting, in terms of from the recruits' point of view, what are the pros and cons for the kids? And I'm trying to think about that, and I think there are there are both pros and cons. I think the players that know where they want to go, 
that, that through the process of, you know, a lot of this recruiting takes place at either the sophomore or the junior level that have an idea, that have a relationship, that, that know they want to go to Boise State or whatever school they want to do. I, I think it's a benefit to them because then they can sign as soon as the season's over and then just concentrate on either coming in early to their school to, to, to get to spring practice or maybe just enjoy the final semester of their senior year. I'm thinking maybe some late bloomers. It might be a con because maybe you could get to a spot that you would like, but maybe they would already have their scholarships allotted. So if the signing day is early, maybe you don't have a chance to to get to that Boise State if they've got their spots that are already tied up. I'm sure that you know it's probably about 50-50 of whether players would prefer it to be later or would prefer it to be earlier. I have to admit when they were talking in 17 and the thing came in in December – I thought it was going to be about 50-50. I thought about 50% of the, the high school seniors would sign early and 50% would wait. I say it's about 95-5 now, wow. and, and certainly at the higher level where you just see all of the seniors signing. I'm sure there's pressure by the teams that want to lock them up. And maybe maybe you feel that you, you're going to let opportunity slip if you don't sign in December. So, uh, you know, I, I, they're never going to do something for what the, the recruits want to do. And I think it would probably be split if you ask them. Bob, this is a great summary of the pros and cons of this signing day. And certainly it's going to be an issue with college football over these next couple of seasons. It's not anywhere near as popular as it used to be. So what else do you think's hurt that popularity of signing day? Well, I think the transfer portal has hurt it because mm-hmm. I think there's more interest and excitement in who's coming and who's going than there is signing high school players. I mean, you know, you look at, at Boise State, you know, we had Ashton Genty last year who was somebody that came in and made an impact. But across the country, there are not that many true freshmen, and especially with, with the COVID year where veterans are getting an extra season, it's making it a little bit more difficult for freshmen to get on the field as a true freshman. So I think the transfer portal is probably more exciting to a lot of fans than, than signing day is because somebody's going to come in and it's going to be that free agent that's going to really make a difference for your team so you know you look at at Boise State you know they get five or six guys in they lose about seven or eight to the portal you know not anybody that was really like oh my god we lost this player I mean Sam Bidlack was a backup quarterback Jackson Cravens was a a backup defensive lineman Uh, you know uh, Tyneal Hopper went to Michigan State I guess the biggest name, but he went in the portal at the end of September was Hank Bachmeyer. But uh, again, I think the portal is something that now is taking much more interest away from signing day. Bob Beeler, Bronco Focus, and I know you're all business, Bob. You're the best, but you are in San Diego and you travel a lot with this team. When you are in San Diego in early February where it's ice cold here and it's not where you are, do you take the sunshine in? Are you at the pool right now, Bob? How's it going? I am sitting at the patio, I'll make you guys mad, in the sun overlooking the pool. Now, uh, the pool is just a little too cold for me to go in right now, and this place, if you can believe it, does not have a hot tub. I was ready to go for that, but they didn't have that, so I don't know. I'm debating on whether I want to go into the pool just because I said I would or could, but it's a little bit chilly for that, I think, right now. I love it, Bob. Enjoy the game. We're all over it tomorrow night, one of the biggest games in the Mountain West this season. Appreciate you, Bob. Absolutely, and I'll talk to you guys tomorrow on Bronco Focus. All right, Sports Radio, the ticket is your home for Super Bowl 57. Coverage begins on the big day at noon. Did Kellen Moore have the greatest career in college football, FBS or FCS history? Prater says maybe not. 
who had a better career than Kellen? It's next on Sports Radio The Ticket. Sports Radio 95.3 FM and 1350 AM. The Ticket. All right, hour number two. We are Prater in the ball game. This is Idaho Sports Talk, and you are tuned in to KTIK Sports Radio, the ticket. In one hour, Prater, Tyson Degenhart is going to come on this show and say thank you, Uncle Prater and Cousin Ball Game for the 500 bucks. Nice, nice. <laughs> I like it. Uh, appreciate that. It's going to be a good one. Um, we'll do some overrated, underrated this hour, too. A lot of good stuff. And uh, 50 and 3. With one Fiesta Bowl and a couple of Makos versus 49-3 and with four consecutive national championships. We're here debating, you know, the, the better college career of two of the winningest quarterbacks in college football history. One with the FBS, Kellen Moore. One FCS, Easton Stick Prater at North Dakota State. Who is now? In the Los Angeles Chargers quarterback room along with Kellen Moore. Yep. So we've talked a lot about Justin Herbert this week. He is the superstar in that room. Chase Daniel, uh, forget about him. Easton Stick, he's the young kid that's going to be coached by Kellen Moore moving forward. I know he still has to hire a, a, a quarterback coach, I believe, or I'm not sure how they're going to work that out. But Justin Herbert, Easton Stick, and Easton Stick had a Kellen Moore-like career yeah. at the FCS level, or should you say... Kellen Moore had an Easton Stick kind of career at the FBS level. What do you guys think? Text us your thoughts on this. What's the better career? I mean, we're not saying who's the better quarterback. I'm saying who's the, had the better career. JP, by the way, put together one of his famous uh, montages of these two winning quarterbacks. Why don't we, before we get into this other stuff, JP, why don't you roll it? Quarterback run. Stick around the edge. He's in. Touchdown. Second and five for the Broncos. Moore firing a dart. It's a touchdown to Austin Pettis. Stick to throw again. Hangs in there across the middle. Reception is made, and it is a touchdown. Second and goal. Moore to pass. Walks it to the end zone. Touchdown, Broncos. Stick will hang in there again. Now flushed out. Steps out of it. We'll get what he can. Stick around a couple of men. Look at the move by Easton Stick. Play action. Kellen with time downfield. Another touchdown. Oh, this is just getting silly, the kind of night he's having, isn't it? Stick's going to keep it again up the middle. He's got another rushing touchdown. Moore gets the snap. Ducks blitz again. Moore scrambles to the right, throwing it for the corner. Yes, with the catch in the corner of the end zone. Is he in for the touchdown? Yes! Touchdown, Austin Pettis! Quick drop for Stick. He's going to throw it deep again. Man, and what a coverage. Christian Watson, what a catch! Moore, back to pass, throwing the ball. Back in the end zone. Pettis has it. Does he got it in bounds? We're waiting for the call. Touchdown! Austin Pettis with yet another touchdown! I love it. That Bob Beeler will say that's his most memorable call and his career with Boise State was that Austin Pettis touchdown in uh, what our nation's capital or close to it uh, back in the 2010 season against Virginia Tech from FedEx Field Parader. So, 
Yeah, very tremendous careers for both of them. And the reason we're talking about it is because it is fun. We like to have fun on this show. And Kellen Moore now um, is, I guess, his boss, his coach of the offense of the L.A. Chargers. And Easton Stick and Justin Herbert right now are the two quarterbacks that they had on the active roster this year. So, you know, some interesting conversation, I'm sure, will go on between the two. They're just foot- sounds like a couple of football geeks, Prater. Yeah, I would imagine they could, uh, after work one day, they can slink off to a quiet bar, light up a cigar, get a beer, and go back into the corner of a, of a tavern and just debate each other's resumes. No, that's not going to happen. I trust you that. But, uh, yeah, we don't have to sit here and come up with an answer. We don't have to sit here and come up with a decision. It'd be a landslide here in Boise. But, you know, as I was kind of sniffing around some Kellen Moore stuff last night, I found a very, very interesting, just to recap a little bit here, Kellen Moore did lose that opening point, Seattle against TCU, and then he comes back with three straight bowl wins against First, you know, the next year against TCU in that Fiesta Bowl, then a couple of uh, cheesy wins in the Vegas Bowl against Utah and Arizona State. So, uh, Kellen Moore, three and one in bowl games, one Fiesta Bowl, nicely done, a fifty and three record, and a non-conference schedule that you know would just blow you away when it compares to Boise State. He's plenty of non-conference games, big games, monster games. Kellen Moore was pretty good at that. Here is Easton Stick's record. And just to clarify, too, he played five years at North Dakota State. Redshirted. His redshirt freshman year with him on the bench, never playing a game, they won a national championship. Then he won two national championships playing. He didn't win it. He lost the national championship game his junior year. And then he won a national championship game his senior year with an undefeated season. So as a starting quarterback, just like Kellen Moore, as a starting quarterback, he holds the record at the FCS level 49 and 3 and then he ha- he played in and started three national championship games while he was at North Dakota State they won four national championship games so that's kind of his record I did go back and look at the three or four the four years that Easton Stick did play and, and here's obviously the one big difference you know I, I would probably give just a blind resume probably give Easton Stick a little bit of of a of a uh, of, of a lead here because one victory is not that big a deal. 50 to 49 is not that big a deal. But then th- four national championships, three of which he was the starting quarterback, that's a pretty big deal at that level. FCS versus FCS, big difference there. Easton Stick played, as far as I could tell, one FBS football game in his entire career at North Dakota State as a in his first year that's starting. That's it, huh? Yeah, in, 16, in 2016, they beat Iowa. I think it was like a two- or three-point game at Iowa. Big win for as them. As far as I could tell, that's the only time that they ever beat and played. Actually played and also beat uh, an FBS opponent. So strength of schedule, clearly in Kellen Moore's favor. National championships, clearly in Easton Stick's favor. And, and I hope that these two knuckleheads have a beautiful debate, a beautiful relationship moving forward. It's pretty cool. One of them's the winningest quarterback at FBS. One of them's the winningest quarterback at FCS. And now they're workmates. Sure, teammates, whatever you want to call them. I think that's a pretty cool deal. Think about that. Um, 99 wins between them. 99 and 6. Career Holy record with schmoles. both of them. Six losses. That's it. And Kellen, as we all know, his three total losses were by a combined five points. Easton Stick also lost three games. I don't know what his number was. One of them was a national championship game. I can't remember to who. Sam Houston State, maybe? I, I can't remember okay, who. Okay. And then two other ones, regular season losses to South Dakota State as they were really getting their program going. I believe those were two close losses. The one thing you can talk about strength of schedule, and if you're looking for perspective, Easton Stick, while he was there as a starting quarterback, they played 31 top 20 teams. Just a regular season. 
Well, no, regular season or postseason. They played 31 ranked top, teams. Not just ranked, top 20. I'm not talking top third. I'm not talking t- number 25. I'm talking top 20 teams. He played 31 of them. And he won 29 of them, I believe. 29, so, and, 29 and 2 against top 20 teams. So you're telling me that of the 52 games Easton Stick started at North Dakota State, 31 of them were versus top 20 ranked teams? Correct. Correct. It's pretty damn spectacular now yeah. that I crunch those numbers. Yeah. Kellen, I, I mean, he lost. I don't know if TCU was ranked the first time he lost to him. I know they were the second time he lost to him. And I know Nevada was ranked when Cap beat him in Reno. So Kellen's two of his three losses were two ranked opponents, but yeah. also... Kellen, and if you guys want to get in on this, we'll open it up. 208-424-9300. Give JP a call right now. Um, I'll, 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 I'm trying to think how many ranked opponents Kellen Moore played. Not necessarily his record, but just it. probably, I'm going to say less than 12. He played, started four years. I'll give Kellen about three ranked opponents a year. I don't think Utah or Arizona State were ranked in the Cheese Ball Bowl, the Mako Bowl in Vegas. And I don't know if TCU was ranked in the 2008 Poinsettia Bowl. Um, if they were, it was – they might have been. But other than that, I mean, did how many ranked conference games did Kellen play in? Because we all know Nevada in 2010, TCU in 2011 – I don't know how many others there were. Maybe a Fresno yeah. one year. Yeah, his freshman year that gave it to Oregon was a uh, nationally ranked game. Although that was, that was number seventeen, okay. TCU in the uh, Poinsettia Bowl was number eleven. So his first year he played two ranked opponents. Okay, uh, definitely got that in two thousand nine. Uh, real quickly, I can tell you that. Uh, well. Hang on, I mean well, yeah. the Virginia Tech. We know. I mean, he had those big wins. The Georgia game was ranked. The Virginia Tech yeah. game was ranked when they would start the season over Oregon. His sophomore year, Prater, Week One, when the blunt punch, yep. Oregon yep. was ranked that game. So he played a few. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He played. He played plenty. Yeah. I mean, he he played in the whack, but you know they made up for it by playing a monster uh, non-con opponent. Non-con. So in the second year, it was it was kind of the same. It was uh, Oregon and TCU. So, uh, again, just two opponents that second year. So he played four ranked opponents total his first two years as the starter. Correct. Um, okay. Um, let's bring some calls on here. People want to get in on this. Jeff, you're first up. Jeff, welcome back. Tito Sports Talk, one of our favorite callers. Go for it, bud. Bring it. All right. Pretend these two quarterbacks are actually professional boxers, both of them elite. Kellen Moore is a middleweight boxer. And uh, and the stick kid is uh, like a lightweight or or something like that. Okay, so who's the better who's the better boxer? The guy who won one fewer fight and a few more belts, championship belts at his level, or the guy who beat Thomas Hearns, Marvin Hagler, and Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran during their run and had one more win. Because that's what it comes down to me, and it's not to take anything away from his accomplishment. But if you think about it like that, on the road, Oregon, home against Oregon, on the road, neutral site, but on the road against Georgia, neutral site, but on the road against ETU and the Fiesta Bowl, those are all elite teams that would have just run North Dakota State out of the building, obviously, because it's a division down. So for me, that's where it comes down to. But I also notice, what about the stats? What do the numbers say? Because... Touchdowns are touchdowns, right? Passing yards are passing yards. Like, 
So just in terms of those other ancillary stance, let's talk about knockouts. Where do they compare in terms of knockouts? And then we can have a conversation. The stat part, uh, well, both of those parts I, I totally agree with, and, and that's certainly fair. Uh, that's the realistic part of this approach, and, and certainly I like the analogy of, of the boxing. By the way, just for, for, for giggles here, as I said, Easton Stick played 31 top 20 teams. Kellen Moore played seven. In his senior year, yeah. that opening game against Georgia was number 19. They didn't play a ranked opponent the rest of the year. Kellen's senior year. Yeah, in his junior year, they played four ranked opponents um, in terms of uh, – um, uh, they played four ranked opponents, and then he had two ranked opponents in each of his first two years. So uh, the Virginia Tech game, the Oregon State game, and then Nevada, and then uh, the Utah game at the bowl game, those were all ranked opponents. So, uh, so he played four ranked opponents his junior yeah. year. I mean, yeah. Oregon State was number 24, so they kind of barely snuck in. But, uh, yeah, I mean, those are heavyweights. Uh, the stat thing is is, is is a pretty good comparison. I don't have Easton Stick's stats right in front of me. Uh, I, I probably should have looked that up. That would have been a pretty cool comparison in terms of that. But, uh um, you know, I think here in Boise, Idaho, we all say because of the, uh, the level of play that Kellen Moore is the heavyweight champion. He is the heavyweight puncher. And then there's a junior varsity kid up there who's just got as nice of a resume and is ready to take over the reign if it kind of worked that way. All right, let's get to Randy. Appreciate your call. Appreciate you holding. Randy, what do you have for us, pal? Hey, guys. Hey, Prater, is that uh, those ranked teams, they were like FCS ranked teams, right? Correct. Correct. Yes. Correct. Okay. Well, that's a whole different story. You know, and well, the level of competition we're, we're comparing is, FCS to FBS. We know that around here. So, yes, of course. The, the level of competition is what it's all about. And we know who Kellen went against. I mean, that Boise State team, oh, my gosh, his uh, junior year should have beat Nevada. They were good enough to play for the national championship almost. They had so many awesome NFL players on their team and didn't work out for them, but, you know. No question. Appreciate the call, Randy. And um, I don't want to get this lost in translation either. I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, Kellen Moore was at a higher level. Yeah, but it's a, again, a it's more all, difficult but, level, sure. But it's all about perspective, too. I mean, Kellen Moore had a better resources. He had a better offensive line. Yes. He had better coaching. He had better everything. So it's all about perspective. And I'm not trying to paint this that Easton Sticks better. We're just having a very interesting conversation. But, you know, be, be realistic when you come in here with a perspective conversation. And, and think about this. like If you watch North Dakota State Bison football, they're a running team. And Easton Stick, I do have his college stats. He threw for about eight, about 9,000 yards. Okay, Kellen threw for a lot more than that. 88 touchdown passes, which is respectable. But look at Easton Stick's rushing stats. He ran for 2,500 yards in four years. Okay? And 41 rushing touchdowns to go along with his 88 passing touchdowns. So Easton Stick, he can say, hey, you can look at my stats too. They're certainly very comparable and obviously, I mean, historic for that level of football. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, great careers, both of them. And oh, we're not saying absolutely. who's better. We're just saying who had the more accomplished career. Yeah. And I, and, and I don't want to take anything away from the FCS, the fact that Easton Stick played 31 games versus top 20 FCS teams. That's still a really challenging schedule for that level, Correct. and the dude barely lost. So Correct. he lost three games, Prater. Again, we're talking 15-3 and three versus 49-3. and three. It's a really cool stat, and I'm glad, even in the FCS, that Easton Stick just didn't get that one last win. 
it's nice that Kellen has the magic. The one win. 50, and even if Kellen had number one with 49 wins, it's one of those things like 50 just looks and feels and sounds so much better than 49. It's right? a nice number. I think McCoy had 49, right? Colt McCoy. I believe he had 49. Uh, was he? he was number two. I believe he's he Kellen was. I don't even know if McCoy even got that many, but thought, uh, it's I tough. He, I thought he was a That's 49. That's a lot of stinking wins. Um, and like the 49-3 and three club, the 49-win steakhouse yeah. just doesn't have the same ring as 50. No, no. All right. Overrated or underrated? That's what we're doing coming up on Idaho Sports Talk. Idaho Sports Talk with Prater in the ball game. There's no need for them to panic yet. There's still plenty of time left in the show. On Sports Radio 95.3 FM and 1350 AM, The Ticket. Idaho Sports Talk with Prater in the ball game presents Overrated, Underrated. Lots of different topics with no middle ground. You can tell us what you think on the Cloverdale Plumbing text line at 208-424-9300. Okay, time to bring it, Johnny. Oh, this is going to be a fun one. JP Prater, we get to learn more about these lovable yahoos with every single edition of overrated and underrated. They might think it's a uh, this is all something that has to do with me and my life. <laughs> we know that's the fact. And um, that's the fact, Jack. Okay, JP, I'm starting with you. Watching the Super Bowl completely by yourself. Is that overrated um, or underrated to do? I've only done it once. Boy, I'm not sure if I've ever done that. Um, I would say it's probably overrated. You know, I like to be at least around a couple of people. Okay. Um, you know, whether it's, you know, a big party or just, you know, even just my sons, it's always kind of fun to watch it and have a little party. But uh, I would say you probably, I, I wouldn't want to watch the Super Bowl by myself, I don't think. Prater, I don't know if you've done it either, but... Watching the Super Bowl completely by yourself would be overrated or underrated for you. Every Pittsburgh Steelers Super Bowl by myself. Really? Wow. Except for the one I attended in person where they beat the Seattle Seahawks. And I went with a friend. Um, <laughs> Screw you, man. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, and I love it. I-, I love it. But if my team isn't playing, then uh, load me up more than Mary or give me 100 people. Let's go. Prater, plain cheese pizza. Is that overrated or underrated? You ever get the plain cheese? I don't think I've ever had a plain cheese pizza. Uh, so I'm going to say it's it's it must be uh, must be overrated. JP, are you ever a plain cheese pizza kind of guy? Um, if I had my choice to order, I would never order a plain cheese pizza. I mean, I've had plain cheese pizza. Everybody has, but except Prater. except for Prater. Well, I guess. Maybe, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, there may have been a random one yeah. 30 years ago sitting on a table somewhere. But who who buys plain cheese pizza? I don't know who buys. It's like cheesy bread. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like you know, people like it. I want meat on my pizza. Me too. You no, know, any kind of meat is fine with me for the most part. And actually, the more meat, the better. So I would say that cheese pizza would be totally. Overrated, John. I like this. I like where this is going. JP, camo pants or camo shorts, camouflage. Overrated or underrated? I would have to say that they would be overrated. I don't believe I own any sort of camo gear at all. You never wore any camos? I I don't wear any camo pants. I don't have any camo shorts. I don't have any camo shirts, camo underwear, nothing. I have zero camo. So I would say that camo is overrated. Very overrated. How much, Prater, 
How much camo do you own, Johnny? I, I was a 90s kid, so I had camo cargo shorts in the late 90s, and I had camo pants, too, and I wore them. They were in my rotation. I wore camos with my camos with my bleach blonde hair, my puka shell necklace, both ears pierced. I was really cool, Prater. Have you, or were you, camo pants, camo shorts, Prater, overrated or underrated? Overrated. What JP said, never owned them, never would. Prater, uh, using the reply all option on a work email that congratulates a coworker. Is that overrated or underrated? The reply all option on an email that congratulates a coworker. Overrated or underrated? Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't do it. I, I don't hit reply all. I, I don't like to I don't like to cloud up people's email or, or mess with their time, so I guess it's overrated. But okay. I don't is it rated? Maybe a push? JP, you you oh, do this. I do what? You you hit the reply all button. I, we're all I, on the same email chain when somebody gets a promotion no. or does well. Hey, congratulate no, Rick. I, he just I, I am not that guy. I have never hit reply all on a congratulatory email. Johnny, to take that back. Okay. Oh, you guys are fighting over something I don't, here. I, don't I, like thought he, I thought that seems like JP's like a reply all guy. If anybody in this office building is listening right now, stop hitting reply all on a congratulatory <laughs> email. Send it individually. Hey, congrats. You don't need to hit reply all. Like Prater said, all it does is junk up. You know, all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, I got 20 emails I got to delete without reading them. Uh, totally so, with you guys. No. No. Right. Overrated, Johnny. Uh, JP, toilet bidets. I don't know if you guys have a bidet at your house or if you've used a bidet. Um, overrated or underrated? The bidet. They're coming back in waves, guys. Waves. <laughs> I've never used one. What? Um, I don't believe I've ever used one, Johnny. Um, I would have to say that it's probably underrated, though. That's odd you would say that if you've never used one, but okay. Well, I know what they are. Yes, absolutely. Prater, bidets, overrated or underrated, pal? Come on, bring it. Yeah, highly underrated. We should all have them. You know, uh, I've used them, uh, mostly not in this country. And uh, I think somebody didn't, somebody was a... Our Christmas, I went to a white elephant party this past Christmas. I thought maybe it was here at work. Not us. Okay, then it was another party that I went to where one of the white elephant gifts was a, a bidet. Wow. And they, people were very excited, and it got stolen like five times. <laughs> yeah. People people totally dig them, and they're underrated, and they're and they're fun, and they're needy, and sometimes a little messy. They've changed. We, we bought a bidet for our um, bathroom, I'm sorry, our bedroom bathroom, and it's changed our life. And I have a hard time using restrooms like here because I don't have my bidet. It ruins my whole thing up, Brader. Bidets, highly underrated. I couldn't recommend them enough. And by the way, this is a good endorsement opportunity for me if anybody's out there. I'll endorse <laughs> your bidet. Trust me, I'll sell like a million of those for you. Prater. the electric toothbrush. I don't know if you use one. No. Are they overrated or underrated? The electric toothbrush. Everybody uh, has these. No, that's not true. Uh I've never had one. Don't need one. I can brush my teeth on my own. Thank you very much. Highly, highly overrated. JP, what type of toothbrush do you use? I've used uh, electric toothbrushes, but right now I have a manual toothbrush, if that's uh, such a thing. But uh, you know what I use the the uh, electric toothbrushes for when they get old is uh, for cleaning. You use them to clean in tight spots around sinks and okay. uh, yeah, totally. know, shower places where you can't really get in there to get the, all that mold and, mold and mildew. 
So I would say it would be underrated for cleaning, though. That would kind of gross overrated me out, Overrated for teeth brushing and underrated for cleaning. How about See, that? I'd still want to use a new toothbrush just to take those little tiny little crevices in your kitchen. Because I would think, like, okay, I've used this toothbrush for a year, and now I'm using it to clean my sink. A year? Is that how often you change your toothbrush? Um, <laughs> I honestly have, like, three or four toothbrushes that I'm always using. I have a couple in my shower. I have a couple on my sink. I have an electric toothbrush that my girlfriend got me for Christmas, guys. I've used it twice. Yeah, so I'm, not a, big, uh, not, not a big, uh, not a big uh, electric toothbrush guy. I, 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 I never use it. It's crazy. Um, JP. Super Bowl pregame shows. Like, I don't know if it's 20 minutes, if it's 30 minutes, if you want the whole seven hours like we're probably airing. The Super Bowl pregame experience. Is it overrated or underrated? I would say it's it's overrated. Um, I don't need six hours of pregame. We've got, well, on KTIK, we'll have about four and a half hours of pregame. We'll start at noon on Super Bowl Sunday. I don't need that kind of pregame. But... I guess if you're in your car, you want pre, pre, you know, Super Bowl talk. It's good, but I'm not going to tune into it myself. And and on TV, absolutely not that much. Maybe 45 minutes. That's all I need. 45 minutes. Forest, overrated. I mean, sorry, sorry, sorry. Underrated. You like pregame? I will wake up on Super Bowl Sunday. Remember, I'm the guy that watched the National College Football Championship the entire game and then an entire 90 minute post game show because I didn't want my football season to end. It's the last football game of the year, ball game. I, I don't get after next Sunday. I don't get football again till yeah. next August. Damn, man! I will wake up on Super Bowl Sunday at nine o'clock, somewhere between eight and nine o'clock in the morning, and I will. The first thing I will do is, after using my bidet, is to turn <laughs> on the television, and all three televisions in the house will have different pregame shows. Now I'm not going to sit on my couch watching them, but all three televisions pregame shows. Roaming around the house, yeah. doing everything I need. Just have it on. I want to soak in everything. Anybody that watches CBS Good Morning on Sunday morning Super Bowl or whatever crappy nonsense you're watching on Super Bowl Sunday morning, stop wasting your time. Watch the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's the Super Bowl. It's the Pray- last day of the football season. Prater, um, the Super Bowl shuffle. The 85 Bears made a music video. It was like number one hit for a week or two. We are the Bears shuffling through the Super Bowl shuffle. Was that overrated or underrated for you? You uh, lived it. Underrated. It was a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful moment. I just need to get out of the way and let JP talk about this one. How could you not like the Super Bowl shuffle? Overrated or underrated, JP? Your well, Super Bowl shuffle. Totally underrated because it, it was true. They when they went in uh, with just the cockiest attitude into that, that came out before the yes. Super Bowl. It's not like that came out after the Super it Bowl. It didn't. I'm the punky QB. They call McMahon. Blah, 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 blah. When, no, I heard, when I hit the yeah. field, I got no As a matter plan. Of fact, I, I have it memorized, okay? I'll have you know that uh, I don't know where he got. My son works over at the Record Exchange, right? Shameless plug. He brought home an album not too long ago within the last year and no. gave it to me. And it's literally the Super Bowl shuffle on an album. That is badass. <laughs> So I have the uh, Super Bowl shuffle on an album. I love there it. There you go. Um, JP, throwback uniforms. 
Overrated or underrated? Throwback uniforms. I, I think throwback uniforms are overrated. Um, I don't like most of the ones. You I know don't? The, the, the ones that the, the Bears usually wear, they, they look like they're prison uniforms. I know that the, the Pittsburgh Steelers look like prison Those uniforms Those are weird. To me. Um, I don't like them. I'm going to say overrated on that. Prater, I love throwback uniforms. Next year, Seattle has already announced they are bringing back like the Steve Largent era uniforms they wore from 76 to 2001. I want to be at that game. Prater, throwback uniforms. Come on, overrated or underrated? Underrated, highly underrated. One of the greatest things in this world is nostalgia. Yes. Americans and this and human beings on this planet love nostalgia. It makes us emotional. It brings back memories. It triggers feelings that we had when we were little kids and falling in love with the beautiful sports that we fall in love with now. Absolutely. I don't care how ugly they are, how gaudy they are. Give me nostalgia every single time, ballgame. Finally, Prater, easy cheese. The canned cheese, you oh, press boy. the button, it spreads out, it goes on a ton of stuff. Next question. Easy cheese. Next question. You're not answering this for me? Velveeta. We talked about Velveeta, Velveeta the other day. Easy cheese. No, it's fake. It came from Pluto in a tube. You know, they, they just shipped it to, from Pluto to America in a tube. It's not real cheese? No. I don't even know what easy cheese is. I have no idea what you're even talking about. Google no. it. Just type in your computer, easy, no. the letters, cheese. No. You won't do it? No. <laughs> Give me cheese, real won't cheese. Do it. JB, is that cheese. not real cheese? No, I, I, I would not say it's real cheese. If, you, if you've if you injected cheese into a can and then you have to have some sort of like, uh, yeah. you know, I don't know, chemical, so it comes squirting out Dude. of said can... It's not cheese. Prater's right. What? Easy cheese is not cheese. It's overrated. Johnny, <laughs> stop eating. That stuff will probably kill you. Dude, nothing I'm tastes better on a Ritz cracker. Like, if you get, sit me down. How about some real cheese on a Ritz cracker? Sit me down with a tall glass of milk, a bottle of, a, 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 what is that a bottle? What is it? A can. A can of easy cheese and a whole rack of Ritz crackers. I'm an absolute couch heaven, Prater. And one thing are guaranteed, the, the, the Ritz crackers will be gone and the Easy Cheese will be almost gone too. God, you guys are so missing out on this show. You guys got to, I'm going to bring in some Easy Cheese for you yahoos, man. We're not going to eat it. Prater and I will boycott that. All right, fine. Uh, what do you guys think? 208-424 Cloverdale Plumbing text line. Uh, overrated, underrated here on Prater and the ball game. Spencer Danielson, Boise State defensive coordinator, said yesterday, uh, maybe some potential job opportunities to leave Boise State presented themselves, huh? You're going to hear Spencer Danielson talking about other job opportunities when we come back on Prater in the Ballgame, Idaho Sports Talk. Idaho Sports Talk with Prater in the Ballgame. So many ways to listen on 95.3 FM, 1350 AM, and always streaming on the new and improved KTIK app. Sports Radio 95.3 FM and 1350 AM, The Ticket. Coming up, we're going to give you a chance to win a $50 gift certificate to Biscuit and Hogs. We will play rock, jocks, and pop culture in just a few minutes. But first, this Ticket Sports Update is sponsored by Hillcrest Floral. Guys, don't blow it this Valentine's Day. One call to Hillcrest Floral, and they will take care of everything. Send the best and freshest flowers in Boise. Don't wait. Give them a call. 208-345-5151, or you can order online at hillcrestfloral.net. Johnny Ballgame is is a paid endorser of Hillcrest. I love those guys, and uh, that's where I'm going, where everybody goes. Uh, Well, yesterday was uh, signing day, and some of the uh, Boise State uh, coordinators and assistant coaches met with the media. Spencer Danielson 
uh, a defensive coordinator. He confirmed yesterday that there was a bunch of interest in other schools to hire him away from Boise State even during the season. And after the bowl game, there was still some interest uh, from other teams. He put the, all that aside during the season. He said the call to stay in Boise is still very strong for he and his family. Feel like this is where we want to be. These players that are in this room, um, you know, even after the bowl game, talking to a lot of my coach, you know, we want you here. And, I, and I'm looking, I'm like, I want to be here with you guys too. Like, I'm loyal to these kids. I care about them. I love them. Going into my seventh season coming up here at Boise State, which is crazy, even saying, like, every single one of these kids on defense, I've been able to recruit. I've been able to go in their living room and tell them, like, this is the standard with which you're going to live and this is where we're going to grow you too. And so, you know, going through that process in regards to jobs and different things that came up, we prayed about it and, and walked the path. But when it all came down to it, it was like, no, we, we want to be here. Thanks to Bronco Nation News for that audio. And uh, he, of course, did get a new deal. I can't remember how many years his new deal was, two-year deal, uh, to stay at Boise State. And he I think is that everybody's the, pretty glad to, ha- to have him. He is the highest-paid assistant coach in Boise State Bronco football history, Mike Prater. and. Sir? It's really hard because, man, I mean, the whole loyalty thing, just in sports in general, it's like, you know, there's that line in the movie North Dallas 40 when the guy is talking, the player is talking to the owner, and he says, how come every time I say it's a game, you say it's a business? And how come every time I say it's a business, you say it's a game? Like, you can flip that like loyalty as well, and... Let's be honest, you know, Spencer Danielson and the 400-something-odd thousand dollars he'll make a year, he is going to have the opportunity, you'd think, sooner rather than later, Prater, to double, maybe triple that with the way coordinator contracts are, are skyrocketing. So you really do have to love everything about this program to be willing to take way less money on the market value. And uh, I got a lot of respect for Coach D and I like him on this team. Yeah, I just think it's who he is. And I know you feel the same way in terms of he's just different. And he's not the kind of guy. You know, every coach plays the game when it comes to where are you going to go next, where are you going to go next. Mm-hmm. And you can either say that they're lying a little bit or fudging a little bit. Or I, I totally. believe Spencer Danielson is 100% sincere. The fact that he tells you that he got job offers, the fact that he tells you that there was lucrative money, the fact that he sits there and talks about his family and, and preying on these decisions. He's definitely a man of faith. Mm-hmm. He is very much a, a man of, of many, many different things. Uh, he, he's very, very good at what he does at Boise State. The fact that he's been here seven years is crazy. Eventually he'll leave, but uh, I don't think I've ever met a football coach that's more loyal to uh, to his place than, than Spencer In Anderson. this era, yeah, I'll second that. Boise State softball team has been picked to uh, win the Mountain West in the coaches' preseason poll came out today. Boise State picked up five first-place votes, 61 points overall, and they edged San Diego State, who had four first-place votes, 60 points. How about that? I think that, you know, if you're going to be a college athlete, you know, one of these spring sports that, uh, you know, you need nice weather because the, uh, the softball team starts their season next week in Orlando. They play their first 19 games on the road, so they get to probably go to all these nice warm weather places when it's nice and cold here in Boise. But then they come back here and play games in, in, in March and April when it's yeah. 47 degrees yeah. outside yeah. and they play a doubleheader that lasts seven Ooh. hours. And JP oh. wants to like hang out on the turf after that and watch movies in that weather. Remember that yesterday, oh, yeah. Brainer? Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm a big fan of <laughs> Coach Schultz uh, in this softball program, even though I've never been to a game. Um, I like what he does in the program he's building. Prater, I, I we have to go see a Boise State softball game this spring. Please tell me you'll come with me on that. Sure, why not? 
I like that sport. It's a great sport. It is. Let's go. Didn't they move the uh, the old video board over to the uh, softball field? I think they too. did, yeah. which will look cool over there, just at the DLP where they play. And yeah, let's go, Boise State softball. I don't know if it's a DLP, but it's at the softball. The, I mean, yeah, right. isn't that They're right? Two, two different facilities. Okay. Yeah. 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 See, I've never been to a game there. Come on, ball game. <laughs> and uh, now that Tom Brady is retired, what are the chances that Tom Brady signs a one day contract with New England so he can retire as a Patriot? Robert Kraft, the Patriots owner, said he wants to make that happen. Not only do I want it, our fans are clamoring for it. And to us, he is always has been and always will be a Patriot. We will do everything in our power to bring him back, have him sign off as a Patriot, and find ways to honor him for many years to come. Now, here's my point. I don't think that he can do it because he said the other day, I'm retired for good, so he can't. He would technically have to come out of retirement <laughs> to sign a one-day contract to retire. Ugh. So he can't. He, Spoken he, he, like yeah. a true Brady hater, yeah. you're just yeah. waiting for stuff that you can yeah. chop yeah. him down on and say, "See, I told you, he's a jerk he, face." He, he came out of retirement for a twice. day to retire a Patriot. I don't even know if Tom wants to do that dog and pony show, but certainly the Patriots do. I'm guessing that, that that will never happen, the signing of a contract. That's a silly, silly tradition in this country. Yeah. It is. But I guarantee you, in time, whether that's three years, five years, ten years from now, he will be honored by the Patriots in one Absolutely. way or the other. He has he to should, have yeah. a statue outside that stadium. Yeah. Heck, Tampa might put a statue outside their stadium of Tom as well. Michigan might do a statue outside their stadium of Tom Brady. I don't know. Canton, Ohio, the Hall of Fame. Might just put a Brady statue out front. John Malshawn might put a statue in his dad's driveway of Tom Brady. God, if they sold those, <laughs> a little, like little, a replica Brady statue John, that's like seven Tom. feet tall, you know how many people would buy those and put them in their front yard in like New England? I mean, I can't keep coming up with all these good business ideas, guys. Prater, and, yesterday, you remember you mentioned about somebody going and picking up some sand where he did his retirement video? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard uh, Rich Eisen talking about that, that somebody <laughs> actually did that. I knew somebody would. Yes. It's, it was a no-brainer. Somebody they found was, out where he was. Well, they probably thought yeah. they found out, you know. And then they went and picked up sand well, and said, this is sand that Brady stood on when announcing his retirement. Yeah. And some idiot will pay for it because they'll believe it. Even if it was not. Okay. Yeah, maybe so. Uh, who wants 50 bucks to biscuit and hogs? All you need to do is call 208-424-9300 and hope JP picks up the phone and says, you are our contestant for rock jocks and pop culture and have a chance to win that $50 gift card from biscuit and hogs. JP, I want, I want a winner today. Let's go. I love these questions. A little bit of trivia before we get to Tyson Dagenhart. On this show in 15 minutes. It's time for the greatest sports talk trivia game in the history of mankind. Rock, jocks, and pop culture. Now, here's Johnny on Sports Radio 95.3 FM and 1350 AM, The Ticket. Brought to you by Advanced Heating and Cooling. Our guest today is Jessica in Nampa. And Jessica's playing for 50 bucks to Biscuit and Hogs. Thank you one more time to Advanced Heating and Cooling. Jessica, what's going on today? How are you? Oh, I'm wonderful. How are you doing? Good, Jessica. How often are you listening to Idaho Sports Talk? Just about every day? Just about, yes. Okay. <laughs> Whenever my husband's with me. Okay. okay. All right. Well, here you go. Is your, <laughs> husband, is your husband with you right now? No, he's not. Okay, good. 
All right, Jessica, here we go. Not good that your husband's not with you. Just good that maybe you just, <laughs> this is not a two-person team here. All right, Jessica. <laughs> I'm just uh, well, it's a three-person team. I'm going to be relying on these guys. I'm here we sure. go. Yes, you got Prater and JP. You know how this thing works, Jessica. Let's have some fun. Um, Jessica, right. Jessica, what rock, what group has a song titled Clint Eastwood? Oh, no. Um, Clint Eastwood. There's a song called Clint Eastwood. Who, who sings it? What, what, what's the name? Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. I don't know if I've even seen his movies. Uh, JP. JP, can you help me on this um, Well, no, I can't help you, but um, <laughs> you should watch some Clint Eastwood movies because they're, they're good. They're good. Um, you don't know this song, JP? I don't. I wrote down a name of a band, though. Knowing how Johnny's mind works on occasion, I wrote down, okay. Jessica, the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Ooh. Ooh, I like this. I have a question, because okay. I'm still trying to figure out Johnny's brain. Okay. Why did you go there? Why did I go with Red Hot Chili yeah. Peppers? What's your um, reasoning? Because I, I may need to use that. Um, I know that Johnny likes the Red Hot Chili Peppers. He does. They were his era. Yeah. And this sounds like a 90s... You know, late '90s, '90s type of question. So I, 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 I put those title, all together sure. and wrote down the Red Hot Chili Peppers because it was the, literally the first thing that came to my mind. And I have no idea. I have like point zero 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 one percent, you know, confidence. Jessica, this group has a song called Clint Eastwood. Oh no. <laughs> uh. Um. We're going with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Bad breaks and crooked wrists. I'm sorry. Sorry, Jessica. I'm happy. I'm feeling sad. I got sunshine in a bag. I'm useless. So act around. The future is coming on. Is coming on. The the gorillas. Very fitting. Very fitting. Did you know that, Prater? Never heard the song. Never heard the name. The gorillas. Okay. I missed that one. That was 2001. It came out. Mm. Um, Mm. All right. Uh, Stop singing, by the way. Stop singing. That was terrible. Jessica, (laughs) Jessica, do you hate it when I sing on this show? No, I thought it was wonderful. She's just being nice. She's just being nice. She's just trying to win. (laughs) Jessica's just trying to, yeah, she's trying to, she's just trying to suck up right now. Okay. All right, Jessica. Um, Let's go to the job. We're coming to Prater for sports here. Uh Uh-oh. We're in trouble now. Here we go. Jessica, Randy Moss, he was a high school basketball teammate with what future NBA point guard who had, let's just say, a very colorful nickname? Randy Moss, the football star, played high school basketball with what future NBA point guard who had a very colorful nickname? Prater, do you remember? Jessica, do you remember who Randy Moss famously played high school basketball with? I do not, <laughs> uh, but I'm really hoping that Prater does. Colorful nickname, so that's the clue here. That's the magical clue. For NBA exactly. point guard with a colorful name. Rainbow. Uh. I I got no clue. I got you. I, oh man. Um, NBA point guard, colorful name. 80, 90. Yeah, they had the TV commercials of them oh, playing uh, together. Uh, Nike. Yeah, I, I don't know. Gotcha. I, I don't know. Sorry, Jessica. I'm going to let Jess. you down. No, you're all right. We're going to book an L today. Bad breaks and crooked wrists. 
The nickname Who is it? was White Chocolate. The player was Jason Williams. Remember Jay Will, Jason Williams, the white dude, blonde hair, looked like Eminem, and he did all the behind-the-back passes and all that yeah, stuff, and they had yeah. the nickname White Chocolate for very obvious reasons? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and Randy Moss went to high school together. Jessica, you're 0 for 2. Sorry, girl. <laughs> Thanks for having me. No, no, no. You're, we still want you. We still have you on here. <laughs> We're either going to, you know, yeah, we might even put you on the wall of fame, Jessica, if you missed this one, too. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Jessica, according to the USDA, the United States is the largest producer of beef in the world with 21% of all beef production, United States. Jessica, what country ranks second on planet Earth in production of beef? USA is one. Who's two? Canada. Bad breaks and crooked refs. <laughs> Prater, what would you have said? Brazil. It is correct. Brazil. Brazil. Also a massive rodeo, massive rodeo country. Okay. Massive Brazil. rodeo Brazil country. is responsible for 70% of the world's beef. United States 21. So almost half of the beef purchased on this planet or produced on this planet is from either United States or Brazil. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you, Advanced Heating and Cooling. You're staying cool, but won't be for long, right? Can I start to say, hey, a couple months from now, it's going to get warmer. You're going to have to have your unit maintained, maybe even replaced. Uh, they're your York dealer, and you love them. Advanced Heating and Cooling. Tyson Dagenhart. We're going to give 500 bucks to Tyson when we come back. This is going to be great. Boise State star Tyson Dagenhart, as I said, next on Prater the Ball Game. Sports Radio 95.3 FM and 1350 AM. The Ticket. All right, welcome back. Prater on the ballgame, Idaho Sports Talk. We've been talking about this interview for a couple of days. Here we go, Prater, uh, with the award. We love doing this with Boise State student athletes, our TSS Home Comfort, KTIK, Boise State Student Athlete of the Month Award. Boise State star Tyson Dagenhart is this month's recipient, and he joins us right now. Tyson, welcome back to Idaho Sports Talk. We love bringing you on and I'll just start by congratulations on another award. Tyson, do you have a place for all these certificates and awards you've been winning since you got here on campus? I have a little shelf in my room, so I have my uh, um, my Mountain West Freshman of the Year, and then I'll probably put this one on there right next to it. <laughs> Isn't that, that says all you need to know about this award, right? Yes. This is going right next to Tyson <laughs> Degenhardt's Freshman of the Year trophy. I love it. Um, Tyson, assess your season. Let's talk individually. I know you have high expectations for yourself and with this team, obviously, as a leader. But what type of season is Tyson Degenhardt having right now? Uh, I think I'm having a good season, you know. Um, if you look at, like, the percentages and all that, it, it may not look like what it did last year, but... Um, I think I really came into my own right around the start of conference play, and I've really been shooting the ball better, and uh, we're winning a lot of games, so um, can't really complain about it. Tyson Dagenhart, Boise State basketball star. He is our monthly winner for our TSS Home Comfort $500 name, image, and likeness check. Thanks to the people at TSS Home Comfort, Michael and the gang, for, for doing this. We're going to do it every month for the entire school year, and we're going to hook up Tyson with a little swag bag and $500 cash. So, Tyson, in terms of the basketball stuff as well, 
Where do you think that you've most improved this year? And I guess the second part of that question is, where do you still want to get better over these next six weeks? I think I've gotten, like, over the course of the season, a lot better post-player. Um, looking at stuff from last year, I just wasn't as effective as I should have been, you know, taking advantage of my size. But I really at the heart this this off season, and I've really shown that I can really play well in the post. And, you know, as for the rest of the season, I hope to continue to shoot the ball as well as I have these past, you know, 10 games. What about your – I'd like to know what your mindset is. I'd love to hang out with you for an hour after a basketball game. When things go really well – how do you respond to that when things go poorly for on a basketball court? Do you, do you grind about it? Do you have a sleepless night? How, how does Tyson Degenhart evaluate and process a game, good or bad, after they happen? You know, after a game, you know, I let myself think about the game until I go to bed, and then once that happens, you know, next day I, I forget about it because you got to have a short memory, even with wins and losses. You know, like after the New Mexico game, it was it was hard. You know, that was a tough loss, especially the way that we lost, but. Yeah. You know, the next day we just had to let it go and, you know, work on improving ourselves for the next game. TSS Home Comfort student athlete, or TSS Home Comfort KTIK student athlete ambassador. I mean, Jay, we're luckily recording this. TIK Boise State student athlete of the month award winner, Tyson Dagenhart with us right now. And, you know, Tyson, I wanted to get to know you a little bit and let our listeners do the same. You're obviously one of the more popular players with this team and on campus right now. Uh, you come from Spokane. You know, I've met your parents. It feels like you had a working class upbringing, blue collar. I think that's why you fit in so well here. What was your childhood like, Tyson? Um, you know, I was very lucky to have the parents that I have. Um, they're both teachers. My dad taught, teaches at my middle school I went to, and my mom taught at my high school. So, you know, being around teachers, you know, you can't goof off in class. You got to make sure you get good grades. And so <laughs> it was really kind of set me on the right trail in that aspect. And then, you know, other than that, they were able to, you know, help pay for everything travel-wise, whether it came to basketball, um, lacrosse hockey you know whatever sport i was playing at the time and, and i couldn't be more grateful to have a set of parents like mine you're this you're a beautiful sports fan i know you love seattle sports and washington sports and you know we see you in these press conferences and mariners this and football that you're a big time <laughs> sports fan where, where did that come from did you grow up in a sports family and just talk about your sports fandom um i kind of grew up in a sports family you know um my dad ran cross country at clemson and okay. then my mom high jumped at uh, Pacific Lutheran in um, Tacoma, Washington. Um, so I had the sports upbringing, but then my uncles really loved like football and, and basketball. And I was always hanging around them. And it was always, that's kind of how it all started with my sports fandom. Tyson, that's awesome, man. Your dad ran cross country at Clemson and, did, and things you learn on these segments with these guys. I love it. Um, you know, Tyson, um, you know, still on that tip when you were, when did you know that basketball was something you were really good at? And when did you know? Maybe it was because you were the tallest kid or not. I don't know how that went for you when your growth spurts occurred. But when did you realize that you could really use basketball as a vehicle, as a tool, uh, to maybe get you know certain things that you want out of life? Did, did, that, did you have that moment? Uh, I did. You know, I played football up until eighth grade, and I broke my finger um, eighth grade year. And I missed, like, you know, the first couple weeks of basketball. And after that, I kind of thought, like, man, if I didn't play football, I'd be playing basketball right now. So that was kind of like the realization, like, all right, I kind of got to limit it to basketball. And, um, and that was my sport moving forward. And it paid off really well for me.
What do you follow in terms of the teams, in terms of, uh, I know basketball season, you're, you're watching film, not television shows, but uh, when you sit down and, and try to be a sports fan, you know, do, you, do you find a couple of hours a week do you, in the offseason? Are you dedicated to Seattle Mariners baseball? What do you watch when you watch sports? Uh, you know, I try to watch as many, like, Washington teams as I can, whether it's the Kraken, Mariners, or Seahawks. But, um, you know, if there's a there's a game on, I'll probably turn on the TV and, like, work on homework and kind of watch it in the background. But if it's one of my Washington teams, I'll definitely be focused on that. Tyson, what are the Hawks? What, what, what do our Seahawks need to do here? <laughs> I, I knew mean, that was coming. <laughs> we keep Geno. I'm cool with that. But at what cost? You know, I mean, we love the draft class we brought in. We got picks galore coming up. Where do you think the Seahawks are headed? What advice would you give John Schneider? Well, I think you don't, if you're going to pay Geno, don't pay him for a super long term deal. Um, you kind of saw that with Russ, how, like, you know, paying a quarterback that much doesn't leave as much money for the rest of your positions. And, you know, as much as the quarterback is a very important position, it, it takes more than a quarterback to win a championship. So um, you got to spread the wealth around and, and build up that defense, just like we did in 2013. All right, the biggest sporting event of the year, the biggest sporting event of the week, and next week certainly is the Super Bowl. And uh, uh, you got a big basketball game Saturday or Friday night against San Diego State. But after that, uh, the entire country's attention turns to the Super Bowl. We've asked everybody else this week who they think is going to win the Super Bowl. Give us your 60-second preview analysis of this game. I think it's going to be a close game. Um, but ultimately, I think the Eagles are going to pull it out. I didn't expect the Eagles to play that well, especially against a really good 49ers defense. And with you know Patrick Mahomes not being 100% and the chief defense not being up to that standard like the 49 defense, I think the Eagles are going to pull it out in a close one. Now, you know, I think last year you had a game on Super Bowl yes. Sunday. This year you play Wyoming on the Saturday night before. I'm hoping Coach gives you the day off. Are there plans for Super Bowl Sunday? Do you guys watch it? Uh, I'm sure we'll watch it. I'm not sure what exactly that'll look like, but I know a bunch of us are you know big sports fans, so we'll end up watching it somewhere at someone's house or whether it's in the locker room or wherever. Yeah, Leon's a huge football fan. They're watching this game this year, I think especially because of this matchup. Tyson Dagenhart's with us. He's our TSS Home Comfort KTIK Boise State Student Athlete of the Month Award winner. He's got 500 bucks in his pocket now, too, which will be nice. Tyson, maybe you use it on your hair. I don't know. I'm a fan. <laughs> I'm a fan of your hair. I think it's like part Keanu Reeves. In, you know, I, Is there any inspiration for it? Like, I mean, you got these long locks and... And I know the ladies love cheering you on. I mean, where, where, where does your hair inspiration come from, man? Do you need an NIL hair deal like Taylor Green? <laughs> I think I'm okay without the hair NIL deal. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I did. If you guys didn't know me in high school, I, I had really long hair down to, like, my shoulders. And my mom would braid it in the cornrows for, for games in high school. And so right when I got to college, I kept it for the summer. And then at the very end, I cut it off because it was kind of like my transition from high school to college, like, you know, putting long haired Tyson in high school and starting myself as like a new short haired Tyson that all my high school teammates wanted me to do. So that was kind of the transition. I really enjoy having the, the shorter hair. <laughs> we do miss the long hair. We do have those pictures. I've matter of fact, I've saved the long haired picture. I'll break it out maybe for today's show as a little promo because that picture still lurks around out there. And between you and Jonah Dalmas cutting your hair, I was very, very upset, but we'll leave that for another time. Tyson, what about uh, you dropped this little nugget uh, in a press conference a couple of weeks ago in terms of I, I love your living arrangement. You have a, a home here in the Valley, 
um, with five bedrooms, and you have four of your best friends from high school living with you, all coming down from Spokane. Uh, is this Animal House? Is this is this Student House? What's the vibe in this house? And and five buddies hanging out in one house—that's pretty cool deal, dude. It's incredible. Um, you know, it having four of my best friends come from high school and and coming down here and we're all living together. It's it's super surreal. You know, one of them I've been best friends with since kindergarten. So to see us grow up through since kindergarten to now is, is pretty incredible. And all of our families are super close. They were down the Colorado State game and it was just super cool to have them all over after the game and just have this really fun family environment watching sports just hanging out it's just it's a great house and you're a great addition to this Boise State Athletic Department and we certainly love the access to you watching you play basketball and everything you do and we cannot wait to watch and see how this career grows Uh, you're going to continue to take advantage of name image and likeness you're the perfect ambassador for this award and you've done a nice job of taking advantage of name image and likeness with your personality and your game so how has NIL, I know it's very, very low on your priority list. You're trying to win a championship and, and take care of business and, and move ahead with a career that's very important to you. But name, image, and likeness, the era that we're in, how much do you embrace this right now? You know, I do embrace it. You know, like coming into last year with the with it, you know, being introduced on July 1st, um, I really had no intentions of doing it throughout my freshman year. I kind of wanted to assert myself on the basketball court because I know Ultimately, and what I do on the basketball court is what's going to get me NIL deals in the uh, in the future. So I really took that to heart, and I'm going to continue to do that because I know, you know, people care about results and winning. So I can take care of that, and then maybe the NIL deals will come on the back end of that. Well, San Diego State coming up, one of the biggest regular season games in the Mountain West so far this season. I know Bronco Nation can't wait to tip this thing off and. We just want to thank you, Tyson Dagenhart. We'll let you get back to the grind. And, and one more, congratulations on being our TSS Home Comfort KTIK Boise State Student Athlete of the Month Award winner. Tyson, we love you, man. Keep it up. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Again, Tyson Dagenhart right here on Idaho Sports Talk. Diamond Dig, it's back for year number 13, guys. Starting Monday, February 6th, listen to Prater in the ballgame for a chance to qualify to dig through a pastry perfection cake for a Diamond Girls diamond ring on Valentine's Day. Pretty cool deal. Plus, you'll have more chances to qualify from 3 to 6 on Valentine's Day at Pastry Perfection. It's Diamond Dig 13. Thank you, Diamond Girls. Thank you, Pastry Perfection. And thank you, Sports Radio, the ticket. Ever seen the B-52s, JPZ? I have not. Forrest? You ask me that every time this song comes on. (laughs) Every single time, and I tell you the same story every single time, so I'm not going to say it this time. Johnny, you don't remember the story? Prater's buddy hanging out with the B-52s? Ah, Johnny. Uh, you got a memory like my wife. She doesn't remember anything. My memory sucks, man. Um, guys, sweet deal Friday. Bob's Restaurant, 25 bucks. you give us. We'll give you 50 to spend at Bob's Restaurant and Lounge in Nampa. Prado, let's get back to this. Um, so Kellen Moore is going to be the OC for the L.A. Chargers. Brandon Staley's the head coach. Yes, he sir. made this hire. He lasted on the market less than 24 hours, as we all know. But there's some stuff that we took a dive into the relationship between Kellen Moore and Brandon Staley. Playing around the other night with Kellen Moore and his career here in the NFL and trying to connect some dots and looking for some storylines, I noticed that Kellen Moore and Brandon Staley have gone head-to-head 
twice as head as, as football coaches in the National Football League in 2020 when Kellen Moore was the offensive coordinator with the Cowboys and Brandon Staley was the defensive coordinator for the Rams. They played in SoFi Stadium. And in 2021, Kellen Moore, offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys, Brandon Staley, the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers, also in SoFi Stadium, by the way, the Dallas Cowboys won that game. So they split. The Rams won 20-17. to The Cowboys won 20-17. to The interesting part here, though, even though they split in terms of the wins and losses, if you take a deeper dive into the stats, and I want to dive into two parts of the stats. One, Dak Prescott and how he did in those two games. And two, halftime adjustments and what happened in the second half because that's when you can really tell a lot about coaches in terms of the X's and O's of what's going on. One, Dak Prescott had two monster football games in those two games. So credit Kellen Moore in terms of his role there. Dak Prescott in those two games against Brandon Staley, the defensive coordinator or head coach, he was 48 of 66 for 503 yards and one touchdown and one interception. Not a lot of touchdowns, but a pretty clean stat book in both those games combined. Here's the issue. In the two second halves of Kellen Moore playing against Brandon Staley, Kellen Moore never once scored a touchdown. The Dallas Cowboys were skunked in the second half of both games against Brandon Staley. In the first game in 2020, the Cowboys had one field goal. In the second game against Brandon Staley, when he was the head coach with the L.A. Chargers, Kellen Moore's offense had two field goals. In two second halves, after halftime adjustments, Brandon Staley kept Kellen Moore out of the end zone. No touchdowns whatsoever. Not good, but somehow, some way, Brandon Staley, even though he, I don't want to say kicked his butt, but he didn't. He didn't. He walked away, though, thinking, I just kept Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys and Kellen Moore's offense scoreless in the second half of both games. I adjusted. I did what I had to do, and I beat Kellen Moore. That's how these guys think. He still hired Kellen Moore. And I thought that was very interesting and very curious. It's almost like you, in a boxer, let's go back. We heard a boxing analogy earlier in the day. It's like you beat up a boxer a couple of times. Do you want to make him your football coach? I'm not sure. In this particular case, Brandon Staley saw something he really, really liked in Kellen Moore. Obviously, the bigger track record, the quarterback play, which certainly applies to Justin Herbert. And a major reason why Kellen Moore was hired for this job is to take Justin Herbert to the next level. I'm not sure Kellen Moore's done that with Dak Prescott, but in those two games against Brandon Staley, Dak Prescott had two monster football games. You know, I'll give Brandon Staley credit. He kept Kellen Moore to 37 points in two games. That's under Kellen Moore's average. And nine total in the second half. Nine, nine total, total in the second half, it's... which is the biggest set telling to me in terms of the halftime adjustments. Who's doing the halftime adjustments? Who's winning halftime? Who's winning the second half? Did not let Kellen Moore score. That scares me a little bit. What, what I did like from what Kellen was able to do in the two times he went against a Brandon Staley defense was run the ball. Did you see the running numbers? The first game, it was a loss. Brandon Staley was the defensive coordinator for the Rams, and he beat Kellen um, 136 rushing yards and a touchdown on 27 carries is pretty good. Kellen did lose that game, though. Total advantage to Brandon Staley on that. 136 rushing yards in an NFL game is good yes. for, for the entire team? That's yeah, absolutely. Good. And I think a lot of teams will run. Will will I think I think the league leader will be you know maybe about maybe about that a game that'll lead the league 136 yards a game. Prater, check this out. The time Kellen got 
Brandon Staley, 20-17, to Dallas beat the Chargers. This was last year in 2021. The Cowboys ran for 198 yards and two touchdowns on the ground um, and were 6 of 10 on third down. So Kellen was able to run the ball. They didn't score. I don't know if they scored in the second half no, that game. they did not. But they still did win. But, yeah, something, and I guess – Maybe when you do box someone, even if you beat them, maybe even if you kick their ass, you could say, you know what, I would hire that guy to train me. Or Absolutely. I would train that guy just based on you know getting in the ring together, feeling each other out, knowing the strengths and weaknesses. And maybe you think this is a guy that I would want to work with. And certainly Brandon Staley had that thought process. because he and, and, and Brandon Staley got what several other teams wanted. He got Kellen. And a lot of teams were phoning him and trying to get in touch with him. And for whatever reason, too, Kellen wanted Brandon Staley. Maybe he had the golden goose in Justin Herbert. Maybe that wasn't a huge factor in it. I don't know. Oh, I, I would imagine it was a huge factor. There was definitely a, a huge factor. And, and if Brandon Staley walks away from those two games thinking, I, I feel really good about myself and the way our team performed in the second half and, and kind of shut down the other team in the second half, you know, maybe he knows, you know, I've never had to work so hard in my life to get to those results. I've never had to yeah. scheme so hard in my life to get to those results. I had to scheme differently to get to those results because of what they did, and he challenged me, and he thought he pushed me in directions and made me think about things that I never thought about. Certainly those intangibles absolutely come into play here, and, and that's why I think that if Brandon Staley thinks that he got the better of Kellen Moore's offenses in those two second halves, there was stuff behind the scenes that uh, really intrigued him. And we talked, we heard yesterday when Kellen Moore met with the media talking about the relationship that he built with Brandon Staley in, in joint practices last training camp and how they would hang out and talk and build this relationship. So something sparked during those two games when, uh, when they played against each other. Brandon Staley was keeping notes, noting that Kellen Moore was doing this, noting that Kellen Moore was doing that. So Brandon Staley was doing what he had to do to beat Kellen Moore and doing what he had to do to take the notes and ever in a position one day to go off and, and be here, he was impressed enough with Kellen Moore, especially the way he works with quarterbacks, to make that higher. I found that to be very interesting. I agree with you, JP. I also, you know, I thought it was interesting what Kellen Moore had to say regarding his relationship with his new boss, Brandon Staley, the head coach of the Chargers. JP, roll that. Kellen Moore, a couple of days ago, talking about his relationship with Brandon Staley. Yeah, obviously it was a very fast process, uh, just in, in very unique circumstances. Uh, we did the joint practices, uh, as you guys are familiar with, this past summer with the Chargers. And uh, anytime you do one of those, you kind of get to know the other staff pretty well, uh, spend a lot of time just, you know, getting practices organized and schedules and scripts and all that sort of stuff. And and really, really enjoyed my time with Brandon, uh, you know, during those couple of days. And so uh, naturally we, we kind of had a relationship that extended through the season, just kind of, um, you know, mostly through text messages as, as you go through a season, uh, you know, Chargers going through their season, Cowboys going through ours. And so we kind of stayed in contact. And then, uh, you know, really over the weekend, this thing obviously happened pretty fast, uh, you know, on Sunday. And, uh, you know, once we kind of came to the, uh, you know, understanding on the, on the Cowboys side of it, it opened up the opportunity. And, uh, you know, Brandon and I obviously spoke quickly and then uh, obviously had an opportunity to talk to a number of other guys uh, within the Chargers. Again, that was Kellen a couple of days ago. And I didn't, you know, they've been texting. So apparently I wasn't the only one receiving text messages from Kellen during football season. That kind of bums me out a little bit, Prater. Did you get him on the show yet? He did an interview a couple with a couple of uh, San Diego or Los Angeles people today. 
He did, really? Yeah. Not on a live radio show, though. I think he just did it with like a beat reporter thing, and they had him in an event. I don't... I don't think he actually went on a show yet. Maybe we'll be that first show, but no. I think he went on a show this morning. With, uh, with Why the, you always got to throw that back to me, Because I man. want Kellen on our show. We all want Kellen on our show. We'd love to have Kellen on I know, on man. I, you think I don't? <laughs> well, I, don't think, I, don't, I can only do so much. Prater, I can ask and ask and keep getting denied, I guess. He doesn't even deny me. He just won't text back when I ask him to come on the show. He never will. But if I ask him if he can dunk a basketball like we did that one day, he'll text back in two minutes and say, <laughs> well, I can dunk a volleyball or whatever the hell he said. Um, I thought that was I thought that was interesting that they those two, Prater, have kept in touch. Yeah, yeah. I, I, Agreed. Throughout this season, they text. You know how coaches are. They lay in their hotel room the night before a game. Absolutely. And they sit there and they text like middle school girls, you know, and they just text each other and it's this big gossip. And that was on Kellen's rotation. And Brandon Staley, too. They kept in touch. They shared information and whatnot. And now they're working together and we'll see what Kellen Moore can get. Out of Justin Herbert, San Diego. Dang it! <laughs> I pulled one. That's the first one I've done, too. L.A., um, with Justin Herbert, I mean, they have two years left on that five-year rookie deal, so two years left of being able to have the Khalil Max and the Bosas and the Derwin James and you know and, and the Mike Williams and the Keenans and all these studs around him. Those guys are gonna have to. Those guys are gonna go Austin Eckler one by one when Herbert's gonna demand sixty-three million a year, and they're gonna have to give it to him. It's crazy how these quarterback contracts are, but that's how the league, that's how the world is spinning right now, man. And uh, good old Kelly. Good old Kellen in L.A. with the Chargers. Good stuff, Prater. Let's hop on some soapboxes. Prater in the ballgame, IdahoSports.KTIK, the ticket. No megaphones will be harmed in this segment, but watch your eardrums anyway. It's the 90-second soapbox with Prater in the ballgame. On Sports Radio 95.3 FM and 1350 AM. You know, baseball's going with massive technological advances in officiating, in umpiring, in the process of that. And I just wonder what the future is going to hold in sports. I mean, with the technology being where it is, but moreover, just the importance of some of these games at that level. I would like to see a complete and total officiating reform, okay? Out with the old, out with the antiquated, out with the emotions. I don't want that. Could you picture, you know, people in a booth, in a stadium, and there's several of them, or there's some type of system that records what's going on and can issue flags or penalties that way? I'd listen. Now, maybe it would be way too gimmicky and it wouldn't work. And you want the old, crusty, white dude, in most cases, just running out there on the field, making these calls. Fine. Great. Whatever. I think you can do better, though. And these games continue to get massively bigger. There couldn't be an eye in the sky, plus have all these views in front of them. And they can press a button and notify the field officials that there's a holding on number 67, that type of thing. Uh, the game is moving faster every single year. And sometimes it feels it feels like the officials maybe even get older or slower in what they're doing. I'd listen. A total officiating reform. Doesn't even have to be in football either. Remember the movie Starship Troopers? And I know this sounds weird, but I remember the movie Starship Troopers. In the late 90s, they played that futuristic game of football in that movie. And the official was a flying robot that would issue flags and stuff. 
It's crazy, but we might be doing that someday. And you know what? I would be first in line to listen and watch and see how it works. Get off it. John and I opened up the week by talking about the Super Bowl, and we even mentioned the Brothers Bowl. Travis and Jason Kelsey making history this week as the first ever brothers to face off each other in the Super Bowl. I've told you guys every single day, one of my uh, guilty pleasures is jumping on TMZ.com and looking at the headlines. And today it captured my attention. Fans want mom to do the Super Bowl coin toss, and they start a petition. I heard about this yesterday. I think even Johnny brought this up, but there's a lady out there, and she's got 15,000 signatures already on this petition, change.org, and she wants Donna Kelsey to come out and do the coin toss. Not necessarily kick off the executives or the other people, but just join the entourage at midfield as they do the coin toss. Oh, I love this idea. I love this idea more than I could ever know. And and I this isn't my style. But you know what? Why not? It is a historic moment. It's going to be an old moment by the time the Super Bowl starts. And Ballgame and I both agreed that it's going to be completely overblown. But can you imagine if Mom walked out there and what kind of moment that would be? And, and how many people in this country and in this planet would be engaged by seeing Mom out there yesterday? And shame on Idaho Sports Talk for not recognizing this. But yesterday was National Girl and Women's in Sports Day. And the momentum for women's sports and and everything that's going on in this country is massive right now. And it's a beautiful thing to watch. And behind every male and behind every female, there's a mom out there doing her thing, raising little Johnny and little Sally to become these great athletes. So Donna Kelsey would not only represent her two sons, she would represent all athletes, all mothers, Everybody who's done everything from orange slices to 5 a.m. hockey games to midnight basketball practices. I think it's a beautiful thing. Chiefs fan, Amber Smith, you're the one who started this. I love the idea. As soon as this show's over, I'm going to go to change.org and put my signature on that. And the NFL, do yourself a favor. Honor moms for doing the right thing. Let Donna Kelsey go out and help with the Super Bowl coin toss. Sports Radio 95.3 FM and 1350 AM. The ticket. She'll go out there in that half Chiefs, half Eagles It'd be fun. It'd be great. No, I didn't didn't know about this until Prater just mentioned Uh, it. I had not heard this story about that petition, JP. But that, I mean, who wouldn't love that moment? That'd be fabulous. But they probably have already committed whoever's going to flip the coin toss months ago. And it's got some corporate sponsor behind it, Prater. and And you can still do all that. Just let mom hang out in the entourage and recognize her. Just and be there in the circle just there. Just recognize her as the as the mom of all moms. Hmm. Well, By the way, the Kelsey boys have said, uh, uh, they've both gone on podcasts in the last 24 hours and said, stop calling it the Kelsey Bowl. We do not <laughs> like the name Kelsey Bowl. Please come up with different titles. They don't like that. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. No, that's normal. I mean, it was the Harbaugh Bowl when John and Jim played. I mean, come on. that's what The Harbaugh. Bowl. The and they hated it, yeah. too. Yep. Yeah. Well, there is uh, football on your TV tonight is the uh, East-West Shrine Bowl from Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. And uh, three Boise State uh, former football players will be represented on the West roster. Uh, former offensive lineman John Ajuku will be wearing number 70. Tyreek Jones on the defense on the West uh, will be wearing number 30. And former uh, defensive lineman Scott Matlock on the West roster He'll be wearing number 93. Of course, they will all be wearing their Boise State helmets. They'll be nice and blue if, if that's what, you know, from the pictures that we've seen this week. So uh, check that out. It is at 630 tonight 
on the NFL Network. Johnny's going to go home and... It'll well, be on actually, in our house. Johnny, you said you have a birthday dinner tonight. So I do. How can you watch the East-West Shrine Bowl and have a birthday dinner? Um, and probably make a wager on the East-West Shrine Bowl. I'm not going to make a wager on this game. Um, I will say this, Prater, that a former Boise State quarterback is coming over for dinner tonight, joining us for our birthday festivities, and uh, we're going to watch this game together. Nice. Wow. <laughs> if you put five bucks in, this, in the swear jar, we'll let you name it. <laughs> I don't want to name it. If you get Kellen Moore on our show, I'd I don't be want really to name impressed. Him. By the way, we know Ryan Dinwiddie, when's he coming to town? He's got to bring that Grey Cup through town. Good question, Remember? man. Remember? We, yeah. He said he was going to do that. Probably spring game when they do the, the what is it, the the, the, the social operator, whatever could they be. call it. Could be. Absolutely. The gridiron social, yeah, I think. Could be. Yeah. LeBron James, 89 points, shy of taking over as the all-times, uh, NBA's all-time leading scorer, causing some high demand for tickets for some upcoming games. And I just uh, did a just a recent Google search, and now there's this report, guys, from NBC Los Angeles. Two seats, $200,000, and that doesn't even include the $46,000 service fee that would go to whatever ticket broker. That's horrible. And $2.95 processing fee. <laughs> Anybody that is going to pay for that can afford it. By the way, that he's only 84 points short now. He's is got he's got five points tonight already. Oh, okay, gotcha, nice. Gotcha. Um, okay. Yes, yes. Someone's going to have to pay. So two hundred thousand dollars to sit courtside to watch LeBron pass the captain Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the NBA's all-time leading scorer. I wonder, like, if you had the money, Prater, and it doesn't matter, would you rather see a moment like? LeBron's going to have on Tuesday becoming the all-time scorer, or would you rather see like a game seven of the finals in like a super close matchup? Like, What would you rather see, the game or the history or the moment? Are my Jazz going to win the game seven in the finals? Are they in, are the Jazz in it? You always do that, man. Well, yeah, of course. That's part of the that's part of the appeal you, for you me. You kind of have to know the, the result. <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to pay for the Pacers versus the Heat. <laughs> but if the Jazz are playing a game seven and I had that then kind of money, heck yeah, you'd, you'd rather see your team. Yeah, I'm I should all, exclude your teams, but yeah, no. If, it, if my teams aren't involved, then no. But I'm all about making memories. You'd I'm rather like, see the moment. I give me memories. I love. My hashtag of life, making memories, making memories, making memories. I, I don't want to die with any possessions or any money. I want to die with nothing but memories, and that would be a beautiful memory if I could afford it. That's awesome, man. Well put. <laughs> in Alabama, they had the number one recruiting class in the country this year. According to 247 Sports, the fourth best recruiting class ever. Okay. Now uh, they just launched a new NIL collective at Alabama. It's the official collective of Alabama. It's called Yeah, Alabama. Includes a monthly subscription payment, which fans can get exclusive content through the year in exchange for their payments. So the they, players. yeah, so it's like a GoFundMe account much, well, to you, pay the football players that you root for if you're a Bama fan, Prater. And it's a monthly, you know, you probably a, direct deposit right out of your check. Yeah. You pay your hundred, whatever you can afford, and you pay that money every month to support. To basically pay the players to make sure you still get the best players in the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, Boise State's doing this. We talked about this yesterday. Horseshoe. Yeah, absolutely. And you get a newsletter. And if you're Alabama, you're like, hey. <laughs> you get a newsletter. <laughs> you, know, you, you get a subscription to the. Your money went to uh, offensive line so and so, and he's going to use it for a new Toyota can. That's the problem I have for the NAL. Like, that's just, that's not within the spirit of the original idea. 
Just that this is just funneling money to them. But again, you have to do it. But the, I mean, what do the players have to do out of it? Like I thought it was to be, you know, for haircuts and pizza, prayer. And <laughs> now it's it's no, it's millions of dollars putting in the hands of teenagers to go play college football. I'm all for it. Give them the as South. much money as possible. Give them as much money. Load them up. I love it. What do you guys think? Uh, 208-424-9300 on the Cloverdale Plumbing Text Line. JP, feedback finale and holy smokes. Going to say goodbye to a Thursday edition of Idaho Sports Talk. Quick week. Remember when your teacher would write comments on your report card? Well, that's kind of what this is like. Greg, Prater in the ball game, And don't forget to show your work. It's the feedback finale on Sports Radio The Ticket. So let's hit up the Cloverdale Plumbing text line, see what people thought about the show today. Alex is weighing in, and he says, if it weren't for you guys, I would have never gone to the Diamond Girls for my now fiancé's engagement ring. They saved me so much money compared to other jewelers. Advertising works. (laughs) Certainly radio does. Men buy diamonds. I'm going to have to buy one one of these months or years, Prater. I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get away without ever marrying this woman that I've been with off and on for like seven years. I don't have a, she She's ringless, man. If anything, I just got to ring it up, and then I don't, I'll do the Prater plan. You just put a ring on it, and then you just wait until the absolute last possible oh. moment to do the marriage. Bingo. I don't want to get married, JB. Prater's told me, don't get married. Prater, he said did that you to say me. that? Yes. <laughs> Yes. I'm throwing Prater under the no, bus. No, I'm throwing it on the bus. I stand by that. I believe it. I'll say it all over the <laughs> Don't place. Don't get <laughs> married, ball game, never. But Alex, we appreciate you, and uh, we appreciate the Diamond Girls, girls who are uh, in with us, and along with Pastry Perfection for the 13th annual Diamond Dig. Which, by the way, on Monday we will uh, qualify our first person for the Diamond That's Dig. That's Monday. This coming Monday. Oh, sweet. That is right. And all next week, uh, six chances to qualify on the air, and then plus on the. Uh, on Valentine's Day, you have a chance to come down to Pastry Perfection. You guys will do your show live down there. People can actually uh, maybe get qualified on that day as well. 13th annual. My favorite thing about the Pastry Perfection show is the smell. Mm. Like the smell inside Pastry Perfection. It, oh, it's exquisite. Uh, Pat weighs in today and says, Ball game, I don't know how many people in New England would buy a miniature Tom Brady statue, but I can tell you one person in Meridian who absolutely would not. That would be Pat. Oh, it would be a very popular thing, especially in New England. They still love him in New England. If you could sell like a lawn ornament that's a Brady statue, people would buy it and they would put it out in their front yard. Again, I can't keep coming up with all these ideas, guys. (laughs) You could do little, you know, the little gnome, the garden gnome. Yes, Pratt, like the like. But it's Pr- Brady, like the guy across the street from Prater who has all the garden gnomes. Does that guy still have those yeah, out there, Prater? Yeah, no, that's not good. So the NFL <laughs> should come out with a garden gnome line where you can get your favorite player in a garden. I, I love that. I love I, that. Right, we would all do it. I used to live next door to Gary Stevens's parents, the, the jockey. Yes, love yes, them. Yes, they, they still have a. Gary Stevens jockey garden gnome in their front yard. Those things day. are sweet, man. Those you, you see those racetracks all the time. The yeah. jockey gnome, they're tall, about four feet or whatever. The Stevens oh, family badass. still has that in their front yard to this day. I love it. Tyson weighs in on Johnny. Your idea? Uh, you asked Dirk Cutter if they he liked the emergency quarterback rule, and Tyson says a better idea would be to be allowed to dress your entire fifty-three man roster. And you said you were going to comment on his uh, idea. You can't do that. You can't dress all 53 because there's a lot of players that are hurt 
that don't want to go on injured reserve for a lot of different reasons. So those players just don't dress. That's why the league has the 53-man roster that you only dress 46 guys for any particular game. So you have seven players that might not play or hurt that you don't want to put on IR. So you can't have a team where a game where one team suits up 52 players and the other team suits up 47 players. That's not fair. I would I would support if they move the, the dress down from 46 to like 50 or 49, but you just can't do it. Or how about you? You know, you plan your roster a little better, and you don't get stuck in the NFC Championship game with uh, you know potentially zero quarterback. <sighs> yeah, you I have mean, sixteen practice squad players to work with. Sixteen. I'm not yeah. sure I buy your theory, ball game. You have sixteen practice squad players to play with. So you suit up all fifty three. Yeah, but you well, can't put Christian McCaffrey on the practice squad for. You a can week. have a you can have a quarterback he, on your practice an emergency quarterback on your practice squad. I'm for the court. If this is involving a quarterback, I'm totally for it. So maybe maybe we're um, not on the same page here. But yeah, and Dirk says yeah, give the emergency quarterback. It doesn't count against your roster, and if you have to use him, it means you can't go back to any of the other quarterbacks like a backup. You can't play him to hold. You can't play him on any other lineup, Prater. That emergency can only go in if your other two quarterbacks you declare are out. Jeff says, I agree with Johnny. Nothing is better than easy cheese on a stock full of celery and loaded up with easy cheese. I've actually, I now that he mentioned that, I have had that that cheese cheese whiz or whatever on celery before of course it's not, it's not anything to write and jp about. you looked up that easy cheese has it's, no it's got real no cheese it's it. got no cheese in it it's think prob- about you know, that I, it might even have asbestos in it i don't know my whole life Prater, <laughs> my whole life i've been eating easy cheese and i just found out today that there's there's no cheese in it whatsoever it's not it's not cheese that's funny I'm going to bring uh, some in, though, Prater, and I want to put one on a Ritz cracker and have you eat it on the show. Sure. I mean, whatever. You'll do that? Uh, well, one, yeah. Thanks. Is that going to make you feel better if I have yeah, one I, cracker? I love it. Why? Why, why, why would you get a... Why would you? Because like I'm an idiot, and I get a <laughs> kick out of you eating an Easy Cheese Ritz cracker on the air. Sure. Why not? Thank you, Prater. Uh, Dean says Easy Cheese, definitely not cheese, but definitely way underrated. Mark says battery-powered toothbrushes are best, at, from Best Buy, rock. Brandon and Tony, they I believe they, they were weighing in on the bidet idea, Johnny. They say bidets are the best. Jose says, I'm a wrestling fan, so I still own John Cena camo shorts. Did John Cena apparently wore camo shorts? I didn't know that. Jose, I love you. Get a life. Regarding... Uh, Kellen Moore against, uh, what was the... Uh, Easton Stick. Easton Stick, the North Dakota State quarterback who both uh, won a buttload of games. Jim says, look at the amount of NFL talent Kellen played against. Sid says, uh, played crap games, most crap teams most of the time. That's why when people try to put BSU's record in the same conversation as the major programs, apples and oranges. And uh, Dave says, when debating... Who is the most successful college quarterback? Remember that Kellen's three losses totaled only five points. Tomorrow, the Friday before the Friday before the Super Bowl, Prater. I'm fired up. Boise State at San Diego State basketball game. And we're going to dive into the Senior Bowl and talk a little J.L. Skinner. He's Prater. I'm Johnny. 
There's JP. We are Idaho Sports Talk. And yeah, quick week of Friday already. Predator in the ball game. Love ya. Sports Radio 95.3 FM and 13.50. Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more.